children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bare their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit in my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. I don't mean any disrespect, he just didn't play that well, not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit shit wrong? I love the efficiency of bourbon. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. It's good to see you back, uh, last week being your wedding anniversary, and we had this cathartic, gonna bitch about this terrible Bears loss from Sunday from all angles, and I guess we still are, but it seems somehow less important because of the events of Monday Night Football at the Buffalo Safety yesterday. It makes it all, to use a cliche, it puts everything, <clears throat> pardon me, everything into perspective with your life and everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yesterday, I was I popped into Bears Country podcast uh, to talk a little Justin Fields and blah blah blah, and all of a sudden it turned into a news show um, with the unfortunate events that happened in Cincinnati. Uh, talk about a weird, weird, once in a lifetime kind of accident. Based on what I know. This is a hit at a very specific spot in the chest area, right at the point where the heartbeat is moving. It's like a a nanosecond. You got to hit right at a specific spot, right at a specific time to disrupt the electrical charge of the heartbeat. It is like a like winning a lotto ticket unfortunately it's the other way around uh because generally when that happens it's a it's a it's a a deadly situation and this poor guy unfortunately gets hit in the chest by the offensive player and uh 
and suffers a heart attack right there on the football field. It is uneffing believable. And uneffing believable that doesn't happen more often in the game of football with all the hits to the chest that happen. I mean, it is bizarre, man, and so unfortunate. Where were you when it happened, and how did you learn about it? Uh, I was sitting here at work at the radio station, and I forget exactly what I was. I think I was dubbing in that country show or something monotonous, you know. And then my mm-hmm. my friend uh, sent me the play. Uh, he just literally mm-hmm. sent it to me on a Facebook Messenger, and I was like, "Oh my god!" You know, he's mm-hmm. like, "I think this guy just died." And mm-hmm. uh, again, as you know, that happened in 1971 with Chuck Hughes and the Lions wide receiver right in front of Butkus. Right. Uh, so yeah. it's happened. Uh, his was a heart as well, and he didn't even get hit on the play. He wasn't right. the receiver on the play. The other guy drops the pass and then going back to the huddle and boom, he just fucking falls, dude. And the guy was like 28. Mm-hmm. So yep. in, in, in basketball, it's happened. Remember um, Hank Gathers mm-hmm. uh, from, yep. what was it, 1990? Uh, from Paul Westhead was coaching that college team at the time. Uh, right. Loyola, how do you say that? Out of Maryland? Loyola. There you go. And... Uh, uh, Reggie Lewis from the Boston Celtics died on the court in 93. And then, uh, I was reminded because it was in Cincinnati on opening day in 1996, the Reds and Expos were playing and John, I think his name was John McSherry. The, the home plate umpire just fucking dropped dead on the field. Oh yeah. And, and the, the Reds had just made the playoffs in 95. They didn't make it again until 2010 for years. I joked and said, that fucking umpire death put a curse on this team, you know, which isn't funny, but yeah, it's funny. I, guess. Uh, I get it. <laughs> that, uh, let me just, let me say one thing that's going to be a disappointment, or most people are going to disagree with me on this, but I don't think that the vitriol towards Skip Bayless is uh, is earned right now. Really? Uh, why? As I was reading it, I don't recall the exact tweet, but at the end of it, he was saying like, you know, basically, from what I the way I read it was like, this is an important game. Like, for example, he didn't say this, but if Buffalo takes a loss, then Kansas City becomes the number one team in the AFC. So he was just like, you know, this is an important game. They got to figure it out, but it doesn't matter in the context of the kid that's hurt. So I think if you read to the end of the tweet, I could see where Skip was coming from. But people basically want him canceled now. Yeah, I, I, I. I thought he was very insensitive. I mean, to mention the scheduling of the rescheduling of the game, or that the game must go on because how is it going to be scheduled? Uh, that was insensitive to include in a tweet where you're expressing, you know, that the guy gets get better. So I, I can see that. And then he on his show today, Shannon Sharp did not show up. He said, "Fuck you, Skip. You 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 sink or or uh, or drawn on this on your own." And on his show, he again kind of refuses to apologize. He gives this kind of bullshit excuse. He sent out another tweet, a tweet, and uh, you know, if you misunderstood, dude, why don't you just say, "I'm sorry. It was insensitive for me to bring that up." And then let it go. And then when he's on his TV show, say the same thing. You know, I I I, I was you know, too crass, and I apologize, and move on, you know, but he's trying to make excuses for for himself, and that's just a bad look, and this guy has repeatedly always said stupid things because he wants 
to be different and wants the attention. I have no sympathy at all for Skip Bayless. He's well, I, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of him, and I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm certainly not going to be his defender. I just thought when I read it, maybe the timing is poor, and I concur with that. But mm-hmm. it was a fair question on what they're going to do because even uh, you and I, three four hours later, granted it was three or four hours later. We're talking like, is this going to be a tie? Is it going to be just like, well, fuck, this game never existed? So, I mean, it, it was it's a fair question. Again, the timing and the context of it is poor. I just don't mm-hmm. think he should lose his job over it, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Because so, people are calling for it. Like you said, Shannon Sharp didn't even show up today. So there's going to be like this hate pitchforks and, and knives kind of cliche people coming after him and Maybe it's rightfully so, but I don't want to defend him. But I just, I, I mean, it's not, he could, he's said much worse in his life, I'm sure. Yeah, he has. Uh, Stephen Nagishi says Skip looked really terrible on his own. He admitted Fox bosses told him to offer an apologetic tweet. That's right. He, he, he didn't come up with the uh, apology by himself. He was called by his boss. Says, yeah, maybe you should apologize. And uh, Stephen goes on, what does it say about him, an old decrepit loser that he, always has been so yeah you know it's it, i just feel like this guy i don't know I, I'm enough about skip bayless you know i think we all agree that he's an asshole whether what degree of an asshole that tweet was last night is debatable but uh, I'm, I'm happy that he's getting some heat now um you know, I think a lot of people are tuning in here tonight because I put down in the description that we're going to make an, announce some changes to the show. Do you want to do that now, or should we keep people waiting like they do in show? No, I thought we were going to talk about that surgery I was going to have to try to make my penis longer. <laughs> That's right. That That's not the major surgery. <laughs> Everything's about my cock here, I thought. <laughs> That's right. Dan is uh, coming to Chicago next week, not to watch the Bears game, but to undergo surgery at the Gandia Penis Elongation uh, (laughs) Clinic. (laughs) If I was coming to Chicago to try to get my penis enlarged somehow and went to the Bears game, it would work the other way. (laughs) (laughs) Same Sunday. It it somehow would give me erectile dysfunction after after the madness (laughs) that we saw at Ford Field. Jesus Uh, Christ. That's... Like I, I, yeah, let's do the announcement stuff. But we got to God Almighty, that game on Sunday, that was one of the worst. I mean, that's got to be in the top. Five. I've been watching the Bears now thirty-seven years. <laughs> Seriously, since eighty-seven or thirty-six years, and that's one of the worst games I've ever witnessed. Yeah, it's in the top yeah. ten. I, I swear, it's in the top ten. I, I, w- I would agree with you on that. That was definitely one of the top 10 in my lifetime. Retro says that medical science can do wonders, but not that much. Um, yeah, that was that was the most disheartening loss of the year, uh, only because you, you know, and I understand all the parameters and, and, and not parameters, but I understand all of the issues with injuries and, and stuff like that. But that team did not go out there to play hard. And I was disappointed afterwards that everybody sort of seemed to uh, uh, involved with the team saying, yeah, we were playing hard. No, no, you weren't. No, you weren't. You know, there was some really shoddy tackling. I mean, Jaquan Brisker is going to be a star in this league, but he didn't look like a star in Detroit. I mean, it, it was embarrassing, uh, that first touchdown that was allowed, and he he played bullfighter and Ole and let the – uh, ball carrier run right past him for the touchdown. There was many moments like that. And I got to tell the you. Time this year, the fifth time 
that the Bears' defense has allowed 200-plus yards rushing in a game. That had not happened since mm-hmm. Eisenhower was president in 1959. Think oh about my that. Goodness. <laughs> Literally, the world, we're trying to assassinate Castro uh-huh. after he's you know overtaken Batista. That's where we are in the world the last time the Bears' defense allowed five 200-yard games in a season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, it's, it's just disgusting. It really is. And so you got to wonder, you know, I I understand the strategy that Ryan Poles undertook. Tear it all down. Tear it all down. But do you really have to tear it that bad, tear it down that badly that you are left with such an embarrassing product? I, I had the same problem with the Chicago Cubs when they went through the Theo Epstein years, and he tore things down. It was three years of absolutely terrible baseball. Season ticket holders for the Cubs said, fuck this, I can't take this anymore. And then all of a sudden, they became good and and won a World Series ahead of schedule. I'm just concerned that Ryan Poles has dug such a big hole for himself uh, talent-wise that, you know, this this rebuild could take a long time. A real fucking long time. And, you know, I mean, he's got a hit on every at player acquisition that he makes. He's got to hit home runs and, and, and extra base hits with every guy that he signs and drafts. That's how depleted this team is of talent. And, and Dan, I'm going to say something controversial, but I'm getting a little fed up, too, with Justin Fields and the lack of progress that he is making in the passing game. I will no, agree, I, and I love Fields. You know I love Fields. But that play too. at the end of the first half, mm-hmm. the play at the end, I mean, I know I'm not the only one who's talked about this. I'm not trying to give, like, this is the most original thought anyone said. But there's no pass rush. He's just standing there. Okay, they've got everybody up front. You're not going to get the quick out and a field goal. Mm-hmm. Throw it deep. Just, just fucking throw it deep. What else are you going to do? He stands there, lackadaisical, looks disinterested, and just throws a pick. To nobody in particular. Yeah. I mean, I was like, what is that play? It's like if there was one play that his detractors could look at and say, see, it's that one. Mm-hmm. Zach says Poles is going to go quarterback with the top pick bank on it. And, you know, Zach, uh, I, 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 don't, I can't see that happening. I can't see them giving up on this kid that quickly. I don't think that any of these quarterbacks that are coming out are going to be perceptively better. Uh, if they are chosen by the Chicago Bears. But I don't think that you take this rebuild and really make it even tougher by selecting a quarterback. You've got to make it work with Justin Fields. And the what we have witnessed in, in recent history is that if you give Tua Tunga Vailoa, who in my mind looked like a total fucking bust, but if you give him a Tyreek Hill – and a J, uh, Jalen Waddle, all of a sudden he looks like one of the best quarterbacks in football. Jalen Hurts, who I've loved since he was coming out of college, but his first two years he looked bad. But if you give him uh, A.J. Brown and, and the other weapons that he's gotten, all of a sudden he's an MVP candidate. And so that's what Ryan Poles has to do for Justin Fields before I'm willing to even entertain the thought of bringing in another quarterback. The, Just, the thing with Fields, too, have you noticed, and uh, this isn't scientific, I didn't write down every time, but throughout the season, whenever he's on the bench, to his credit, 
he's looking at the iPad or the, the surface, whatever Microsoft surface, whenever they're rubbing on his legs, mm -hmm. it seems like whenever he comes back in, after they've start rubbing his legs down, his quality of play, de I mean, is absolutely deficient from that point on. If like, if they're rubbing on his legs, suddenly he can't run, he can't throw. Uh, he seems lost and I love fields. So again, I don't want anybody to say that I'm, I'm flipping or flip flopping. Yeah. It's just, it seems like whenever he gets a, like a lower leg injury and they start running on it or rubbing on him, it's like, well, if he's that hurt, just go ahead and put Peterman in right. because he can't throw or anything seemingly when he's hurt. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a really good point. I think that there's been some deterioration in his athletic skills and that doesn't help your throwing motion and, and probably is not helping him in between the ears because he's worried about the pass rush and, and so forth. But listen, I, I posted this video and it really pisses me off. You can't make a complaint about Justin Fields now without a, the legion of Justin Fields lovers. And I love Justin Fields. I'm in that legion. But you can't complain about Justin Fields without all sorts of vitriol coming back at you. So I posted this. Let me let me play it for you. A lot of people have seen it. 78,000. I saw it yesterday. This ball. You can't hold the ball this long. Throw it to Chase. You got him there. Get rid of the fucking ball. So lots of people getting mad at me. But the point is, this is what he has been taught. People are saying, oh, look at the score, 38 to 10. He's looking for a big play. What the fuck is he going to do with a five-yard gain? Avoid a sack. Avoid another hit to the body. Avoid Keep the chains being punished. Moving. Keep the chains moving. This is, he's being taught to take what the defense gives you. If that's all that's there and you got Claypool, who hasn't caught a fucking pass the whole day, he's wide open right there. Get him the ball and let him try to create after he's caught it, that's how the game is played. It's not played by trying to throw an 80-yard touchdown pass when you're down 38 to 10. And ironically, we don't even throw those passes anyway. There was not one shot to begin with. So it's not right. like he's taking all these deep shots. There weren't any deep shots. So if you're just going to throw a six or seven yard out anyway, then just take the check down to, to Chase. In fact, yeah. I believe... I was happy with Chase's response that came out in the post game. Of course, I didn't hear what he said or I didn't see on the field like a blow up. I didn't know about it until after the game. But right. reading what he allegedly said, complaining about wanting the ball and such and third down being open, it's like at least somebody gave us some fire. Because mm -hmm. on the field Sunday, I didn't see that from anybody. No one. Yeah. At least this one guy's like, dude, let me help. I've been traded here and I haven't been used. And Maybe he went about it the wrong way, but at least he cares, man. Even Justin looked lackadaisical and disinterested on Sunday. And I love the guy. I've got four of his fucking jerseys, okay? <laughs> I love Fields, but like you said, you got there's – some, there's some absolute truth to the criticism he gets from his detractors when you're talking about his inability to make easy throws, whether it's that little out to, to chase, a slant, a fucking wheel route, it feels like the little five to 10 yard throws he just can't make. Or if yeah. he does, it's like, he's got to be on the run and, and make four defenders miss. And it's just, it's not easy for him ever mm -hmm. with the short throw. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, and that's, that's another irritant, you know, so many times he's had a little three yard pass and he overshoots the guy you know, a little four-yard pass, and uh, he throws it wide to the receiver. What should be the easiest passes to complete, 
these little uh, dump passes and so forth. He is, I mean, I don't know what the pass completion percentage is on those, but I bet you, you know, the intermediate and deeper passes, he's probably got a higher percentage of oh, completion yeah, sure. than some of these short passes. It's How many times did they run that little bubble screen with Mooney before he got hurt? And even the ones that Mooney caught, it just felt like, it was borderline going to be behind the, the the line and could be a fumble, uh, you know, or it's a gain of two because Mooney did what he's best to catch it, but there's nowhere to go because it took so long for him to get to it. It's never online is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And I'm not one of these guys that thinks that we should draft a quarterback, we should trade him, he's not going to make it. I'm not saying that. But, like, mm-hmm. what you're saying is valid criticism and considering that this man has started, you know, what, 10 games last year, and I think 15 this year, and I guess they're going to shut him down Sunday, which is going to be ironic because I told you, I was like, they're going to play Peterman. You watch, he's going to throw for 300 yards and ruin this whole what the first pick thing against Minnesota. But uh, yeah, it, it, he should be better at that by now. He should, man. By the way, you want to find some sexy hot girls? Go to uh, what was it? Oh. <laughs> Tuch- Tuch- I just hot girls for you or something. <laughs> Tooch is such a good bouncer. He just got rid of them right away. I can't hear you, Tooch. <laughs> I was trying to bounce out the porn guy. The <laughs> porn spam. I accidentally threw it up on the screen. Sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. No problem at all. How are you, Tooch? Come back here. How are you, okay. man? I'll come back. I'm doing all right, although I'm going to join you guys in a little bit, just uh, hanging out with the chat mob here. Just like the oh. show intro says, put the children away, Tooch. Put the children away. Waiting for the kids <laughs> to fall asleep. <laughs> Codeine in that glass of milk. We'll be sleeping in no time. All right, see you in a little while, brother. Uh, that is Johnny Santucci, always, always uh, there for us. Um, listen. I just I, I want people to know that there should be nobody on your team, even if you have bought four of their jerseys, even right. you know, even if they are all pro worthy, that nobody should be above criticism. And you know, so let's calm down. You know, people call me a fucking moron. You know, because I was frustrated that my quarterback didn't complete a four or five yard. Maybe I overreacted. Maybe I did, but. We should still be allowed to criticize our best players. God damn it. I saw every one of Walter Payton's play. Was there a time or two when I yelled at Walter? Come on, fucking Walter, hold on to the ball. Like in the Super Bowl? Yes. <laughs> yes, it happens to even our most beloved players. Walter fumbled in three straight playoff games. The NFC title game in 85, Super Bowl 20, and he arguably cost us. I know it's, it's, it's a fucking sin to say this, but the Doug Flutie game, the Bears are driven deep into the Redskin territory, and Walter fumbled, and Washington got it, and Butler missed two field goals. So we lose by 14, but imagine if Butler makes two field goals and Walter scores. You got a 27-20 game, or 27-27 game potentially, or right at it. Because we lose by 14. Yes. So, But, yeah, like no one's going to say that because it's Walter, and that's mm-hmm. even stronger the point to criticize Fields because no one's ever going to be Walter. Like right. he's the great, he's the he's the greatest player in the history of the franchise, and obviously tragically died in 1999 at, at age 45, which is horrid. But even if he were still alive, he would still be considered the best player in the history of the franchise, and maybe one B Butkus and one C Sayers. Mm-hmm. And if Walter could get a little bit of criticism, 
we can criticize Justin as well. Absolutely. So here's what I want everyone in the chat room to do right now. List the one thing about Justin Fields that bugs you. Let's exercise all of these complaints, all of these issues that we have. Uh, what, let's see what Steven says here. Does Fields needs to improve? Absolutely. Do you think he cares? Absolutely. No one should ever question that. I think he will succeed. The question is, is Poles committed to him? What do you think there, uh, Mr. Dan Aguirre? Is Ryan so. Poles I hope so, but, man, Justin looked like he didn't want to be there Sunday. I know he had the big run early, which, again, another moment. He's got all these highlight reels that are just fucking fantastic. And, like, every time I something happens, especially in the Miami game we were together, I just kept telling you, like, oh, my God, look, this guy's head and shoulders the best player on the team, without question. And mm -hmm. I was just like, he's amazing, and he still is amazing. But it felt like on – you remember Rex Grossman famously said – after the Green Bay game in 06, because they played December 31st of 06, heading into 07, and and we, we go to the Super Bowl that year. We finished 13-3. and three. The third loss was to Green Bay that night. And mm. Rex was bad, and he said, you know, I was kind of thinking about my New Year's Eve plans, which sounded horrible at the time. It kind of still does. Mm -hmm. But maybe that was some of that shit going on with the Bears Sunday. It was New Year's Day. I don't know, but it felt like Justin and the whole team looked flat as hell which is what I told you. I was like, it feels like the whole second half of the season, especially the defense, has been flat as hell. And then you listen to Matt Eberflus. I was listening to your post game with uh, the Gaines report and with Danny Shimon. And mm -hmm. when you all cut to the presser, it just pissed me off because it reminded me of Nagy when they lost to the Saints in 20, and he's smiling and joking around after the playoff loss because it's like he knows he's coming back. Right. Eberflus, you would have thought he was the winning coach Sunday. The way he was just kind of not giving a fuck. And I got to agree with you on that. His, his hit system, which he's had no accountability the second half of the year, not benching anybody, not fussing anybody, not doing anything. He has been a monumental disappointment. And if you told me the day after our game Sunday that they fired him, I would be like, fuck it. He deserves it. Yeah, I'm not willing to go there, but I do agree with you. It is frustrating now to watch these last couple of press conferences it's like uh they've accepted losing there isn't any of that you know I, I i love how justin fields has taken a leadership role in these press conferences and how he's uh holding himself accountable he said things like yeah i held on to the ball too long and we got to do this and we got to do that but i almost appreciate the 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 justin fields from a few weeks ago who stayed by his locker room pouting and didn't want to come out and talk to the press because he was so pissed off about the loss and as for Eberflus, i agree with you it, it is he does come out and he, he's like, like, like there's just a sense of resignation i think is what's going on it's like i, I just all i need to do is hold on because the help is coming coming the cavalry is coming poses promised me he's going to give me a lot more talent that's what's going on here and again i i love the idea of rebuilding but that ryan pose deplete the team of so much talent that we have instead of created a winning culture, a hits culture, we're creating a losing culture. Yes. And that is something that I'm worried about. I'm really worried about it. And, and I, there's only going to be one Mike Ditka, and it's not 1985. So it's, you know, but the comparison being when Ditka shows up in 82, or just look in 83, Baltimore was just looked at as one of the worst teams in the league at that point, which led to them going to Indianapolis. They're perennially 
drafting in the top two or three at that juncture. And what happens? They lose to the Colts, and, and Ditka gets so enraged, he punches a locker and breaks his hand. I mean, wow. it's just like, that's fire. And I know mm-hmm. I'm not trying to tell Eberflus he needs to be Mike Ditka because Lovey wasn't Mike Ditka. So right. there's different personalities, but you always knew that Mike fucking cared. Whether right. you thought his coaching wasn't as good as it should have been, the guy's giving you his heart. Remember, he had a heart attack and came back the next week and coached. For fuck's mm-hmm. sake, man, he's giving you his body, his mind, his soul. What's Matt Eberflus? I mean, I still think Eberflus is better than Matt Nagy. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But Matt Eberflus is okay with losing. And yeah, it showed well, in his presser. And maybe it is because he's like, well, the, what, what the fuck else can I do this year? But it just seems like he's okay with losing. And your job is to win games. Seems like it's okay. So I, I don't. I won't never say, uh, at least based on the evidence. That's, you're, that right, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I can't, I'm not a psychologist. You know, you're right. right. But, yeah, it, 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 you know, there. when you're a leader, um, what, what, how, what you say and what, you know, you do – will reflect a lot on your leadership skills. And I think that to not show some passion and being upset that you have lost now, what, 10 straight games? That's not sitting well with me. You know, longest in the history of the franchise. And the franchise has been around, as you know, since 1920. Right. So I've said it before. I want to go to sleep and I want to wake up March 15th, the, the day of free agency, so that I can start feeling better, you know, um, feel, uh, excuse me, Poles has got to go out there and, and the very first day sign a Deron Payne and get that pass rush up the middle going, sign another uh, quality couple of free agent offensive linemen. He's got to put that money to use and, and instill some confidence in his roster and his coaching staff. And us fucking fans right now because we're sick of this. And a lot of good comments in the uh, chat room regarding uh, Fields' mistakes, holding on to the ball, accuracy, decision-making. Swanky says, Justin Fields looks like he did at the beginning of the season. And you know what? There's some truth to that because you take away the run design plays and what you're left with from a, as a passing quarterback, You he, he looks very similar as he did – uh, in the early part of the season, there, there hasn't been that monumental leap. Now, I understand no wide receivers. I understand leaky uh, offensive line. I understand all those things. But when you get a Brock Purdy coming in there, and I understand he's got better protection, he's got more weapons. But when you get a, a young kid like that who was a seventh-round draft pick, and he immediately starts to click, and he didn't have any preseason reps. I mean, it was this this – the third string quarterback back then they had Trey Lance and, and, and Garoppolo Brock Purdy comes in in the middle of the season and starts throwing up 300 yard games. I used to have a friend who would always bring that up to me. And I was defensive about, ah, we'll, we'll get it right. We'll get it right. But now I hear my friend now saying that, how come all these fucking quarterbacks back, back then it was, uh, who was the Rams quarterback, the one the guy that pushed Rome, uh, Jim Everett. Yeah, Jim Everett. Tell me, Jim fuck, Everett. what was it? What was he calling uh, him? He was calling him uh, call Chris Everett. Chris Everett. Yeah, don't Chris call me Chris Right. And so Jim Everett comes in uh, on a game in one of his first games. He throws for 300 yards. And, and my buddy Mark was saying, yeah, how come that happens all the time? Other quarterbacks come in. 
first game, they throw for 300 yards. We got quarterbacks here for years, and they don't throw for 300 yards. And, and, and that's the frustration, you know. That's the frustration that I'm going through. I want Justin to expedite this development, and I know that Ryan Pose is a major reason why that development is going slower slower than, than I would like, but it's got to happen soon, man, or I'm going to fucking have a heart attack. Excuse me, God. Sorry, Mr. Hamler, uh, but uh, I'm going to have a fucking – seizure or whatever it's just frustrating as hell man we love this team we love our, our players uh justin fields i love you but man show me something man i hope you play sunday and i hope you throw for 350 yards and we win the fucking game beat minnesota yeah, I, can't they need to win. I can't come to a game or even if i'm watching on television Mm -hmm. and and want them to lose i just that's not how i'm if you're because you're going to hear these people saying well no 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 you got to lose sunday and maybe if the Texans lose you get the first pick in the draft well while i'm watching the game for those three hours i just can't sit around that's why i don't play fantasy football though i can't mm -hmm. sit around and root for other players that aren't on our team i'm not going to yeah. be like oh you know what uh God, I hope we win Sunday, but man, if Cousins throws for 400, I, you know, hell, I'll win $60 or whatever the fuck. Fuck that. I want our team to win. So I, like you, I want Justin to play. I hope he has a big game throwing the ball. <sighs> to defend Justin, I will say this, though. This has been a lousy season. I thought the 3 and 13 with John Fox was horrible. The 2002 team, the, the, the streak that they just eclipsed with eight straight losses. Four and twelve overall was horrible, but man, this season has been so bad. The only thing that's made up anything that's made this season fun has been Justin Fields. Yeah, like he's the yeah. only part of this team that has made me smile, made me hope, made me cheer, brought me out of my chair. It's all been on Justin. So, and you look Sunday. I know I'm changing conversation a bit here. It's right. part of the problem with the offensive line. And last week, I know you weren't here. I'm not trying to say I'm right, but I think I'm right on this. <laughs> Last week, we were collectively like pulling out these stats, like sucking Braxton Jones's dick. Braxton Jones was getting thrown into Justin on Sunday. Like, not only was he giving up sacks, they were pushing his body over top of Justin. Yeah. Like, I don't think Braxton, I mean, he's a rookie. You know, people grow and get better. But at right. this point, for, if you told me they, they have no interest in signing a left tackle, or drafting a left tackle because they know he's the guy, I just right. think that's that's misguided. I think right. Braxton Jones is part of the problem right now. Mm -hmm. um, I, I believe that Braxton Jones can develop into a better-than-average left tackle. His number one problem is he needs to build up his strength so that he can handle the bull rush because that is his Achilles heel. There's some other problems, you know, and he's one of the few reasons I love Braxton Jones is that he's very honest about his mistakes. You put a microphone in front of him immediately after the game, and he talks about the things that he did wrong. He will say, you know, my partner on my right, he made a mistake there. He, he's he's really upfront about it. I think that a full off season of weight training and working with the uh, Bears' strength and conditioning will help him tremendously. But if uh, – hold on, we'll get to you, Daryl, in a second. But if 
Orlando Brown, if Ryan Poles signs Orlando Brown, the left tackle from the Kansas City Chiefs, and he's our left tackle this year, and then Braxton Jones has to fight for a job in the middle or at right tackle, I'd be okay with that. I would be okay because I'm 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 fucking sick and tired of you know developing and promising players and so forth. I mean, I need right. playmakers. I need stars. I need them now. I need blue chip players. You know, like uh, uh, Bill Polian says, this you know a team needs uh, seven eight. Uh, blue chip players in order to compete in the NFL. Guess what? We we have fewer now than when he said that because we traded away Roquan Smith, <laughs> and arguably uh, Quinn was a blue chip player or or close to a blue chip player. But it's, so it, it's gotten bad. So what was it that Daryl uh, said? He um, I think he was he, telling me that fuck it, we should lose Sunday, right? Oh, that's a, he, you know I understand you know wanting to get the high draft pick. Dan, stop uh, one more one more loss and we get the first pick. But here's the thing, Daryl. If this draft, I was talking about this with Greg Gabriel today. If this draft was really loaded at the top with great talent, then I would say, yeah, that will be great because now you get you get a, a high draft pick. Now there's going to be lots of people calling you for that, and you're going to get fucking t- a, a, a boatload of of draft picks, but there is, this is not that draft. I mean, any one of the top five, six guys in the draft could be the number one draft. Nobody can tell me right now that this one player will be the number one draft pick in the draft because say, let's say the bears get the top pick. They're going to, and they can't trade it or refuse to trade it. They're going to pick either Will Anderson or, or, um, uh, um, uh, uh, Jalen Carter from Georgia. There's no sure thing. And those guys both just recently had terrible bowl performances. Carter looked like he was out, out of shape. And Will Anderson, I don't think, got a sack the entire game. And so this is not the year to be praying you get the number one draft pick. It's not. You can get as good a pick at number two, three, four, five, maybe even six than you can in, in any one of those spots. It's not that kind of year. So I hope that they get a high draft pick. I hope that they trade down and get some more assets. That's probably the quickest way to have a respectable team. But right now, man, this this is just the, – things are not laying out for the Bears the way it should have laid out. I think if you would have told Ryan Poles, by the way, that trade uh, for Chase Claypool, it's going to end up being like the 35th pick in the draft, the 36th pick in the draft. So you're trading basically – a first round uh, pick, early second round. You want to be specific about it. You're trading him for Chase Claypool. Do you, are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure? He probably would say, "Yeah, maybe I better think about it some more." You know, so it's it, things are not working the way I anticipated and want them to work. Excuse my frustration. Now think about this: when we saw them in against the Dolphins, they were coming off a win against New England, and mm-hmm. there were, I think maybe Dallas, maybe the Dallas game was before. But either way, it looked like yeah. that we were in it. So when they trade for Claypool, it yes. felt like it was giving us a chance at the time. So I understand mm-hmm. polls attempting to do so, but I also see your point. With regards to the gentleman in the chat, though, I want to say, you know, on Sunday, I, 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 that's not how I operate. I can't root for the Bears to lose. If the Bears end up losing, which is quite probable at this juncture, 
and as a result, in April or May, whenever the draft is now, late April, early May, I'm and you say the Bears are number one overall or number two overall, I'm going to be happy at that mm-hmm. time. Right. They're like, oh, we, we might. But right now, looking at January 3rd, 2023, with the game on the 7th, then I'm rooting for the Bears on the 7th. There's just no other way for me to uh, approach it. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I, I, I respect that 100%. You know, we should not get into the mentality of, you know, wanting to lose for a, a, a good draft pick. If it happens, it happens, but we should not be hoping that it happens, not as a true fan. So Dan and I are going to be like there. The Bears have done that, though? I didn't mean to step on you. It doesn't look like the Bears coaches have kind of done that. Like the way the defense, I mean, no accountability. They, they can't tackle. They can't, they can't defend the pass. They can't do anything. There's mm-hmm. not one guy on that defense. Now you you had Sanborn. Mm-hmm. Sanborn was was tackle a tackling machine the couple of weeks that he was that he was playing. So I don't want to, d- to besmirch uh, Sanborn, but with the guys that are in there now. Now, granted, like you said, the safety Brisker's going to be good. We think Gordon's going to be good, but the way they're playing right now, collectively, collectively as a unit, it's an all time bad. I mean, all time. It makes 2014. Like Lance Briggs without Erlacher, without Lovey, when they're giving up fifty burgers back to back weeks with Tressman, it's it looks worse than that. Mm. At least those teams could do something, right? They had those two games like against Green Bay and New England and and then later Philly where they're just getting routed, but their other games or at least they played well or okay or de- like average. Like this team can't even get a stop. And yeah. if they do get a stop, and let's say the Lions punt. They're not going to get two stops in a row, not at all. So it's up to the offense to keep scoring, or even if they score first, they're going to be behind really quickly. So it looks like Allen Williams and them are just kind of like not giving a fuck. I've been on him all season, though, for not making any adjustments. You have. You want him fired. Do. And if you told me Getze was right with him, okay. I'm not not ready to go there on either one of them, although – I had a, uh, a Twitter exchange where Berlissimo and Berlissimo is, is saying, you know, he needs to, to blitz more. He needs to do this more and so forth. He's not doing that. That's why Alan Williams should be should be removed. And, you know, Berlissimo knows more about football than I do. Uh, but I just see a That doesn't team, invalidate your opinion, though. Right. I, I just see a team that just has no talent. And, and Berlissimo's response to that, well, if you have no talent, then why not just blitz the shit out of them? And see if that will work. And I'm like, well, I think you're then putting too much stress on that young defensive backfield to play one on one, and they're probably going to get burned, which I've seen. But at the same time, the blitz, you know, has occasionally worked too. But be that as it may, I I think it would be a disservice to fire any one of the two coordinators, given the amount of talent that you gave them. It would be a bad look for Ryan Post slash Matt Eberflus if they started to fire their coordinators. I could see the defensive line coach being fired because oh, yeah. he was never a defensive line coach. He was the assistant defensive receiver line. coach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a terrible passing game here. The terrible passing right. game. He has no track record. So I could see there being some changes with the position coaches, but I think the coordinators, they get a, they get a pass unless now I'll say this in strong terms too. If you absolutely know, and this is really the inner circle. You and I and Greg Gabriel and nobody knows. But if you're in the inner circle and you know this fucking 
this fucking Alan Williams, man, he's not doing what he said he was going to do in the meeting. Or this Alan Williams, he has fucking no creativity whatsoever. I, I'm Matt Eberflus, and I told him, run it the way you want to run it. And the way he's running it ain't just going to work. If that's the case, then fire them as soon as the clock hits 0, zero, zero yeah. Sunday against the Vikings. Then I'm I want to point that. out. I want to point out in 04, you know, we brought over Terry Shea from Kansas City. We signed Thomas Jones to be Priest Holmes. And obviously, we were all happy with Thomas. But we wanted that offense. And when it was so bad in 04, Lovey didn't fuck around. He fired him immediately after the 04 season. And in recent history, and not going back to, you know, a decade plus ago, two decades ago, uh, Denver, Denver hired that the, the guy from Green Bay that was Rodgers' coordinator. He didn't even make it through the whole season. They're like, this guy's a fraud. He fucking sucks. And and they fired his sorry ass like uh, after getting blown out on national TV on Christmas. So mm-hmm. hack it, hack it. Was it they they he couldn't hack it, yeah. so they got rid of him. So <laughs> if that's the case, then why can't the Bears ever do that? When they're like, it's clear that they've got the wrong guy, and we never can just make him a, a move, you know? Yeah. Well, we, yeah, held, we I- held on to Nagy too long. We held on to Tressman. Well, maybe we got rid of Trestman uh, at the right point, but Nagy and Fox were both kept on two, one year too long for sure. Agree. I totally agree. If you are absolutely certain this is not working, then you got to make the move. You can't say, well, just give them one more year. That, that, that's a worse way to run an operation. If you feel in your gut and you know that this guy is just not you know, doing well, maybe he'll develop next season. Sorry, that's not the way you should work in the National Football League. If you, you know, I worked in big corporations. Somebody was doing a bad job. You put them on a performance review plan. You give them six months to meet these goals and so forth. You can't do that in pro football. You got to give me instant results. And if you're not giving me those instant results, you got to c- convince me that you don't have the personnel around you to get those results and that your plan B and plan C with that B-level uh, personnel or C-level personnel uh, you st- you still couldn't get anything going. So at this point, I'm going to give those guys the benefit of the doubt. But I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just so fucking frustrated right now. <laughs> I'm so fucking frustrated. I apologize to everyone who's no, please be frustrated. This. That's what we need. This is what we're doing. We're burying our souls <laughs> in the defensive line. You're, they're professionals, right? That's the last I heard. Yeah. They're professional football players. Mm-hmm. That's what I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think it's possible, all things equal, let's say we were all young men here, like mm-hmm. we're 25 years old, we're never going to be good enough to play for the Bears, but let's just say it was like an 87 scab game. Is there even just an accidental tackle that we would make? Like we just tripped somebody's fucking heel and they fell and got credited for a tackle. It's like sometimes you don't even have to be good and you can make a play is what I'm trying to get at. Even us not being professional athletes, if you put us in there and we're young, we might be able to make one play. These guys have had the whole season and can't make a play. I've never seen a unit be so inept in all my years of Bears football. Okay, so you can't get to the passer. You can't get any sacks with your front four. But maybe they at least stop the run, right? No, they can't stop the run either. They can't stop the run. They can't get penetration. What do they do, Justin Jones? Why do you have a C on your uniform? Why are you here? It's a, can't I mean you're a professional. You can't make a tackle. Mm-hmm. I know. Why why are they on the team if they can't make and no one can make a tackle? 
I, I don't get it. Have you ever seen a a, a a unit not just this inept the whole season? Just like a floppy fucking impotent cock all season. For real. Like, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just like the front four has been dreadful. Dreadful. Have you ever seen it in your life? Even the 14 defense that was historically bad under Mel Tucker. They, they can yeah. at least make a tackle occasionally, even if it was by accident. Yeah. Does anybody else agree or disagree? I feel like I'm, I don't mean to give a monologue here. Man, everybody agrees with you. Even Daryl. <laughs> but have you ever seen that though? And in, in, in your mind, can you think about that ever happening with any team? Like, like you always tell me, and, and I, I'm not mocking this. I appreciate because you know, I love history. You're mm -hmm. like, oh man, the one in 13 team. That's your like, and then Mike North says the same thing. The '69 Bears, okay, yep. but I wasn't around, and you can't watch the '69 games, as you know, because you can't yep. buy them or anything. So I I didn't see that, but I don't know if they were that inept and in not being able to make a tackle. Like I, I just I've never seen that before. Yeah, it's bad, man. It's bad, and I think you know um, this season can't end soon enough. We'll be there Sunday against the Vikings. The Vikings have to win that game so that they don't lose their seeding in the playoffs. Um, so they've got a chance to jump to the number one seed if Philadelphia loses. So the game means a lot to them. So they're going to put their starters out there, and I'm glad they are. And um, and I hope Justin Fields plays, and I know people are saying, why play him and so forth. Why? Because I need to see him complete some passes and throw for 300 yards and a couple of touchdown passes. He needs to grow as a passer. Does he have the weapons around him? No. Does he have the offensive line? No. But still, the snaps are invaluable. Let's get him out there. Let's get him some success. And let's hopefully win a game because if we're drafting one, two, three, four, five, or six in this draft, it doesn't really fucking matter. Does if it? you listen to any of our recordings from the 2021 season, uh, and they're all available in the archives, right? So uh, mm -hmm. I challenge anyone to look back on this. One of the things I was saying, and again, I'm just a guy. I'm not trying to be the voice of authority. But my criticism last season of Fields, and I blame Matt Nagy more so than I did Fields at the time. I was like, man, it's just so hard for him to complete a pass. It's just mm -hmm. like, why can't you get him into a rhythm early on? Like, just throw a little fucking uh, dump off to David Montgomery or throw a slant pass. They don't ever throw an, They never run a slant. Why you Claypool's a big guy. Hell, three yards, boom, hit him with the slant. Every other team kills us with the slant, especially the Packers. Like, why mm -hmm. can't you just get him some and suddenly you look up and oh man, Fields is 10 of 10 for 79, 80 yards. It's it's always the third quarter, and Justin is like, you know, nine of fifteen for 79 yards, and it's in the second half. Right. Like you're not even not gonna sniff 300 yards. Like, I mean, fuck, just get him some easy completions. Get quit running designed quarterback runs. Like, he, there were more run plays called for Justin Sunday than there were pass plays. Mm -hmm. And you've got two guys that, that I would think in Herbert and Montgomery that are like, please hand me the ball. Especially Montgomery. He's like, I got to get paid whether I'm here or gone. Please let me run the ball. That's what I'm paid to do. Mm -hmm. So, but they just keep running Justin. And I love to watch Justin break free and run. But in this game Sunday, can we please just run our running backs and tell Justin, dude, it's the last game of the season. Throw the ball. Have fun. Show us what you got. You know, act throw. like it's Ohio State. Just sling the rock. 
Throw what are you going to do? Is, that, is it going to matter if you lose, if you're 3-14? and 14? Remember, if you lose, it helps the draft. So, fuck, go out and play loose and not with this same fucking bullshit game plan that they've used for the last month or two where they, they run him constantly and refuse to take chances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and uh, Cliff says recency bias is, is not the way to look at this. And if he's referring to, you know, our frustration with what's been happening re- recently, I, I, I totally get it. You know, in the big scheme of things, I expected things to be bad this year. But now living through it, it's it's just gotten to the point where I am fucking done. I don't want to see any more losses. How many yeah. more losses do we have to experience in order to really get this rebuild going. The thing was early on, we had all those close games, the first run, the first half of the year. And I don't Mm -hmm. even, I'm not saying it's because the Roquan trade, I'm not even making that, uh, that assumption. Uh, I think that's a coincidence because again, Sanborn was playing really well in his spot and then he got hurt, but I'm just saying the first part of the year, remember I told you, I thought the bears could be competitive. They could make the playoffs. And some of that looked like it was plausible earlier in the year because how many games did they lose? Like the Giants are making the playoffs. They should have beaten the Giants. They should have beaten Minnesota. They should have beaten Miami. All of those are fucking playoff teams. They should have beaten Washington. They can make the playoffs. All of these losses, they were right there. Even at various points, they were in the Dallas game too. So uh, they were in the Green Bay game in week two. Hell, they were in the Green Bay game in week 13. So it looked like the team I thought they were, I thought they were closer to the team that I thought they were early on in the year. But the second half of this season, they have been exactly what all the early projections of them were going to be, which was just putrid. Oh, I was so fucking pissed off watching the national and listening to the national media just fucking pound the, the Bears, uh, up, you know, to, to – just pound the bears to the point where it was just making me angry. And, you know, they end up being right. But part of it too, is that the uh, Ryan Pose just kept depleting talent during the season, you know, to trade Roquan Smith and to trade uh, Quinn. And I know Quinn hasn't had a good season. He's on IR now and stuff, but you're still trading away a pass rusher who is better than anyone else currently on the team. You know, that's huge. And it, it puts, uh, much more uh, stress on your defensive backs. So it is not not the ideal situation. J2K has been trying to get me. I think he keeps asking me uh, what coach on this team is on the hot seat. So I mentioned the defensive line coach. I'm trying to find his name now. It is offensive line coach is Chris Morgan. His job is safe because Despite the fact of all the problems that we've had with this uh, uh, offensive line, I think he's done a good job. I think he's a good teacher. He deserves to come back. Travis Smith is the defensive line coach who I've been targeting now for the last three, four weeks, wondering who is this guy? What has he done? And so I learned that this is his first job as a position coach. He's always been an assistant coach. And Travis Smith has just not been cutting it. There have to be some some accountability, some heads have to roll. I would start. Can with I suggest him. one. Sure. Please. The passing game coordinator. He's the wide receiver coach too. I'm mm. sorry. The wide receivers haven't played well. Maybe that's the offensive line's fault. Maybe that's Justin's fault, but the passing game has been awful. 
and you're the passing game coordinator and the wide receiver coach, I think it's time for you to turn in your playbook, sir. It's uh, Tolbert, Tyke Tolbert. Uh, let me He's got to go. His, let me get his bio up. Tolbert is in his first year as a passing game coordinator, wide receiver coach, a 19-year NFL coaching veteran who spent the past four seasons as the Giants wide receiver coach. Oh, Giants wide receiver coach. Oh, oh my gosh. That's a terrible group. And a position that he previously held with Arizona, Buffalo, Carolina, and Denver. So he's been around a lot. Maybe we need he's to He's been fired him. a lot. That's what it sounds like. That's exactly. And when you're telling me his last job was coaching the wide receivers for the Giants, it's like, geez. <laughs> Couldn't do anything with uh, the kid they picked up from NIU and paid them $10 million. So anyway, uh, that's our bitch session. Um, we'll try not to bitch the rest of the way. We want to have some laughs. Uh, let's get to the announcement here. Uh, Dan, uh, Tooch is frozen and now he's joining us back. There he is. And he's such a handsome young man. Um, so here's the deal. I quit. <laughs> that would be cool if I really quit, right? Um, Dan Aguirre came to me with an idea saying, you should leave Aldo and let me take over the show. I no, said, I did not say that. Did I dream that? You dreamt that. <laughs> I've told, I don't want anybody to think getting this construed. As I've told you many times, I'm working on the show because of you. I've already got a broadcasting degree, a uh, career, and won awards, and my ego is successfully satiated. Mm -hmm. I, if for some reason you did quit today, Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't care if I continued on in podcasting. So again, my, my tie to this is with you as my friendship. Now, do I like no man? Do I like the other Dan? Absolutely. So that leads to the segue. I, I hope I'm teeing you up there. What, and what about Tooch? Do you like Tooch? Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Think the world of San Tucci. Think the world of other people that we've had on such as Aaron Mikulski and, yeah, and uh, Chris Watts and, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, Zimmerman, and you know, all these guys, man. And and mm -hmm. uh, I, I, Sanjay, you know, Sanjay and, Gupta. Uh, no, not him, uh, Sonny. <laughs> we call him Sonny. And uh, our guy Jay Bonds, you know, these are guys I, I, I like everybody, is what I'm saying. Yeah, except and... retro. Fuck you, retro. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't like retro either, fucking guy. What's his real name? <laughs> Retro. Come on. <laughs> Tooch, welcome to the show. Uh, Hello. We're uh, just talking about our plans here for the future. So yeah. here's the deal. Um, Nomad and Mr. Shorty are joining this show, which will undergo a new branding, new title. Tooch has uh, elected to stay on uh because we owe him money and uh, and he's in so, love with me personally it's it, it's it's sad true. i don't know it's <laughs> and, and it's one of the uh upcoming segments for the new show where tooch and dan aguirre are going to do a gay porn video together <laughs> <laughs> and we'll premiere it here <laughs> is, uh, is it time for Bear's state of affairs well let us finish with the announcement and then we'll bring you into oh, the Bear okay. state of affairs all right. So, uh, but that is, that is the big news is that I, uh, I am not going to be on every week. I hope we, we do about 50 of these a year. Uh, and so I'm hoping to be on for 35, maybe 40 of them. Uh, and so, uh, 
in, in my thinking on this is, well, who could join us to really help provide good insight into football and also kind of maintain the uh, comedic appeal that we've built here? You know, it's raunchy humor. It's uh, ball busting. It's locker room here, here uh, humor. And we have fun doing that. And Nomad and Mr. Shorty, we're two guys who are now currently hosting Bears Country Podcast Monday here on the Barroom Network and their own uh, YouTube site. And I thought that uh, uh, bringing them in would be a great, great way to add to the show and then also give me the flexibility to do some things on my own. Now, the Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls show is not going to go completely away because I've talked to Dan about us doing maybe a handful of specials. During the year, maybe, you know, we do a 90-minute a, a show on movies. Or maybe we do a 90-minute show on looking back on a particular Bears team. And, and we do that on our own, and we stick it in on a weekend uh, during the offseason or whatever. The great blowjobs in your life yes. that you've received. I like this idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a great and, idea. you know, and, and I'm all, always about, you know, experimenting and, uh, and helping people grow. And I think, uh, and, and Dan's the, the, the same way too. And so with Nomad and Mr. Shorty, who are both fairly new to the world of podcasting, we see a lot of potential and talent in them. They've already exhibited that they've got the talent and potential to do their own show. And uh, the thinking here is that in, under these circumstances, it would only make them better. Um, so I'm really looking forward to working with those guys and we're going to premiere the, the new version of the show next week at the end of the regular season. Dan and Aldo bear their souls will in its current iteration, the final show will be Saturday. Why is that? Because Dan Aguirre will be in town. He'll be seated right over there. And on Saturday night, he and I are going to break away from having, uh, carnal knowledge with each other <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll be sweaty and <laughs> hookers yeah. that was like that tom hanks movie bachelor party that's right drugs and that would be cool actually <laughs> <laughs> see if i can get rid of my wife that day <laughs> um so uh dan and aldo bear their souls that will be our final show as uh in this in this world uh and stan and i will look back and talk and, and have some fun uh just the two of us and that'll be this saturday sometime we'll announce the time later but then when we were back next uh, tuesday it'll be john santucci it will be nomad it will be dan's how do you pronounce Dan S's last name? Dan Shortino. I don't know. I call him the other Dan. Yeah, Dan Shortino, I think it is. Yep. He's going to be the Shortino. other Dan whether he wants it or not. I can't call him Shorty. I just the He's not the, short, you know. The old I'm taller the than he Dan. is, but he's not short. No, oh, he's a big tall guy. Um so uh, and then Dan and myself will, of course, be back next week to uh, provide some more fun and entertainment as a group. New, I'm going to probably find a new open, new theme song. I don't know. Right? We'll, we'll change things up a little bit, and uh, we'll have some fun. And I think it, the show will be even better and bigger than before. And then when, like the, the uh, final week in January, I'm going to be in Las Vegas all week, speaking of hookers and bachelor parties. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm actually there for the East-West Shrine game, and, and so uh, picking up some information for what we're going to do with our draft coverage, and we'll have, we're wow. going to have some exciting news regarding that coming up. That game is in, in Vegas? Week. Yes, the East-West Shrine game is in <laughs> Vegas. 
uh, staying, yeah, staying at the Luxor Hotel and walking to the stadium. So it's going to be great. Nice. Uh, it isn't usually in Vegas, right? Uh, uh, correct. They moved last year was in Vegas. And then before that, okay. I think they were down in Texas. Now the, uh, uh, the senior bowl is still in Mobile, Alabama, but it's yeah. an interesting story what is going on between those two college all-star games is that now they're doing some serious competing with one another for talent. And the East-West Shrine game under the direction of Eric Galco has worked out an agreement with the NFL so that the coaches will be coaching, NFL coaching staffs will be coaching the Shrine game. So the Bears, since they're going to end up either uh, – uh, uh, the worst record or the second worst record, they're probably going to be coaching at the East West Shrine game. And then oh, they're going to hurt these kids. <laughs> yeah. <They're laughs> <going to Bears. laughs> Bet on the other team. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the senior bowl is going to have NFL coaches, but they're not all going to be from one team. They're going to be selected all around the, the league. And so, uh, there's a nice competition. We'll talk about that another time, but there's some nice competition going on between those two all-star games. So I'm going to be there. And so that'll leave uh, uh, the guys to do their first show without me officially. And so, you know, and, and, and I'm, and frankly, in 2023, I want to do a little less, you know, I'm, I'm going to hit 65 in September. So it's time to uh, not be the pod father so much anymore and, and be a grandfather uh, to my, uh, Beautiful uh, six-month-old Jackson Ray. Uh, so you know, a lot of changes in my life and stuff, and and so I'm very fortunate to have the support of uh, of Dan and Tooch and the new guys coming in. This show is going to be better than ever, and I will still have a strong role in it, but uh, not quite as many appearances as in the past. So that's you're mentioning me. Vegas real quick. Did you ever see the movie Very Bad Things? Mm -hmm. had, I remember uh, Christian Slater's in it, Cameron Diaz, uh, uh, Jeremy Piven no, is fucking this not. hooker against the wall, uh, okay. yeah, uh, an escort, you know, and he's hammering it deep, you know, and her head hits this thing and he's not realizing it and she dies while he's fucking her, but he doesn't even know it. Mm. So he finishes and they realize she's got it, you know, she's dead and then they bury her and then it's kind of like Macbeth, They can they live with it? Because mm. now you got to go home, and can you live with the fact you've gotten away with this crime? But it's a very what you would call a black or dark comedy. You know, yeah. it's very uh, anyway. It's from '98, but uh, so I was going to make a joke like when you're at the East West Shrine game. For fuck's sake, make sure the hookers don't hit their head against the wall. <laughs> I always take precautions. I pack a couple of helmets. <laughs> Both the rubber kind and the head kind. Stephen, well, if you ever see that movie, on, it's worth watching. Okay, I will. Uh, what's it called again? Uh, Very bad things. Very bad. I've heard the title before, but uh, didn't know anything about it. But any any movie where there's fucking the hookers, I want to watch it. So and then Stephen burying them in the desert, like Goodfellas or Casino. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome, man. That's up my alley. <laughs> Do you guys ever plan on going to the NFL Draft Combine? No, Stephen. The reason why is the media has less access to the players there, and so basically, you're kind of relegated to watching stuff from the stands, and uh, which is great because then you're in control what you're looking at 
but I, I, I prefer to watch it on television. The media is not really given much access at all. There is some access to the players, but not like at these All-Star games. At these All-Star games, we can see players in pads practicing and hitting each other and then talk to them after the game on the field, and uh, that's a better use of uh, our money to, to spend on that. What, what I regret is that I don't have somebody to go to the senior bowl while we're at the Shrine Bowl game. I don't have the money to pay somebody to go cover the the, the senior bowl. And uh, so I hate the fact that we're not going to have some representation there. But we did apply for media credentials from the senior bowl. And what that gives us access to is all of the practice footage. So those tape geeks like Danny Shimon and Neil Stopchinsky, they can look at all of the practice footage and, and give you informed analysis of how those guys play during practice week, because that's really the most important thing of all these all-star games is when you get the one-on-one -on -one battles between defensive linemen and offensive linemen, because the games themselves have special rules and you can only rush these amount of guys and you know, these guys are playing for the first time together and stuff. It's the practices where, where is where the money is. And so uh, we'll, we'll do the best we can here at the Barroom Network to get you as much great information on these, uh, these young players coming into the league. All right, Tooch, it is now your show. You take over, oh. you do your, your bear. Oh, you look surprised. What happened? Yeah. We're going to get the bear roaring for Dan. <laughs> yeah, I always laugh at that. The bear coming. Aldo's gonna go take a piss and miss the whole thing. <laughs> no, I'm staying right here. I I'm actually Are gonna you? refill my drink. Yes, I'm staying right here. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I love the bear. That's the bear is the best part. It of is season, really no, all, all truth. <laughs> right. State of affairs: eight games, a streak. Week sixteen, week seventeen, penultimate takedown. <laughs> that was for Don Burr. I gotta give him something. Give him something. Happy New, Happy New Year, Barflies. Well, the Bears' losing streak is now at nine games. And again, the season can end soon enough for Bears fans. Last Sunday saw the Bears losing to the Lions in Detroit 41-10. And although getting blown out by the Lions isn't the way that any of us expected to start the new year, we Bears fans are content to shake off that cringy, Tresmanera feeling from Sunday and wrap ourselves in warm, fuzzy thoughts of better days ahead. One of those warm and fuzzy thoughts is that the Bears are still alive for the number one overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. All we need is a little help from a former Bears head coach and a former Bears quarterback. If the Bears lose to the Vikings, who are looking to wrap up their first division title since 2017, and the Texans and Lovey Smith win against a very beatable Colts team and BD Nick Foles, the Bears will secure the number one pick in the draft. Think about it. After last Sunday's excellent performances by Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, that definitely boosted the value of the Bears' top pick. With the number one overall pick, the Bears could control the flow of the entire draft. So, while this season has turned out to be one big pile of number two, the Bears actually have a chance at number one. Ryan Poles could collect a ransom in picks with the number one overall pick. And if you don't think that thought has crossed the mind, his mind more than a couple times, well, I've got an old horse racing park to sell you. 
could pull do some fine work with the number two overall pick? Sure. But we all know the number one overall pick is worth considerably more, Nomad. Sure, it may come with all the shame and stigma of being the worst team in the NFL for a year. But let's not kid ourselves. The Bears have a lot of holes to plug and a lot of work to do, just like every other offseason. So the question remains, should Justin Fields play or sit out the season finale? Against the Lions, Fields took a vicious hit on a scramble and had to leave the game for the concussion tent. Fortunately, Fields was okay and returned to the game, where he finished with 132 yards rushing, including a long run of 60 yards. The problem is he only had seven completions. But Fields now has 1,143 yards rushing for the season. Who would have thought we'd have a 1,000-yard rushing quarterback? Good enough for second all-time among NFL quarterbacks and trailing Lamar Jackson for number one overall in the NFL record books by only 64 yards. Fields is averaging 74.9 yards rushing per game, so he is on pace to eclipse Jackson and add another NFL record to his young career. The team and Fields himself are surely eyeing that NFL record. And should the Bears win on Sunday, they could drop all the way down to the fourth overall pick. Regardless of where they end up, Bears need a solid offseason, both in the draft and in free agency. Can the Bears right the ship quickly? In the NFC North, the Bears have one thing the other three teams do not, a young, budding superstar quarterback that they can build around. Or do they? Uh, the debate rages on. Next year could determine whether or not Fields can figure out the NFL passing game, as well as whether or not the Bears have the coaches in place who can develop a quarterback like Fields. Let me give you a list of the things that the Bears do need to do. Get our quarterback a number one receiver. Number two, address the offensive line. Number three, get a three technique to run this defense the way it needs to be run. And four, get an edge rusher who can get consistent pressure. Those things are critical. The Bears always have a lot of holes to fill every offseason. Bears fans are used to that. Last Sunday's game against the Lions really underscored the Bears' lack of depth and top-end talent on the roster. As well, injury attrition reared its ugly head, especially on the offensive line and in the defensive backfield. Most likely, the Bears will be undermanned against the Vikings next week. We may put up a fight in the first half, but we're likely headed for 3-14 and 14 on the season. The barkeeper will pour himself a double before Bear football. I'll join him with the double bourbon and maybe a few tears. And sadly, there'll be no victory dinner at GD Ritzy's for Dan Aguirre. And that is... Bears, state of affairs. Yeah, baby. What a great job. Applause, man. That, uh, does Dan know uh, about GD Ritzy's? I do not. Dan? No? Oh, okay. Huntington, West Virginia Supper Club. Oh, well, I, I should know Huntington well, but uh, don't know that that uh, that establishment and considering I'll be with Aldo in Illinois Sunday, it's right. I don't think I'll be eating in West Virginia. Nope. No, we'll be having uh, having some. Are Chicago we going to be cuisine. doing the the Bears post game? Are we on 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 board for that, Aldo? No, I wasn't planning on it, but I can make arrangements to do it. Um, so I was just curious. I mean, I'm not trying to whore myself in, but if you were going to, I, I would try to whore myself in. Is what I'm trying I, to say. I don't want to do it, to be honest with you. I, I, my hope is, is that after the game, you and I go pick up some chicks. <laughs> I would love for it to be a victory. Is yes. that possible? Yes. You know, if, at this if, point, if, I think the Bears a... are are one in seven when I'm in attendance over the years. Fuck, damn! Why'd you say that? 
Jeez. Uh. And and they're one and three in games that you've you and I have attended together. Is that correct? Or one and Let's two? see. We saw the Browns game, the Lions game, the Dolphins game. So we've seen three together so far, and they're one and two in those. Wow. Jeez. You better get your shit together and bring us a victory Sunday. <laughs> and, and the White Sox are zero and one when when I attend with you. <laughs> and and they lost ugly, man. That was one of the ugliest baseball games I ever sat through. Jesus. <laughs> Actually, Tooch, my friend Holly says that she lived in Huntington for three years and attended Marshall, and she's never heard of that place. Oh, okay. So look it up. Yeah. Are you sure you got the right place? Uh, it's probably before uh, before your times. Before yeah. your, it was during your porn days? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I was actually looking at some uh, – uh, what's his name again? Uh, Ron Jeremy. Jeremy the interview you sent me. I was about to joke about it. I was like, I hope Tooch doesn't nod off and fall asleep like Ron Jeremy in that interview you sent me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found this. I was looking for some funny stuff that we could make some fun of uh, Tooch and his porn career. And so I ran into this <laughs> video of Ron Jeremy consistently <laughs> falling asleep during the interview. It's like he had narcolepsy. Yeah, well. <laughs> Maybe it was a uh, 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 hibernation season for hedgehogs. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get a chance to see that, Dan? <laughs> yeah, I watched the clip you that you texted me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, here. So I'm going to put it up on the screen here. Uh, hold on a second. Here it comes. <laughs> or does it? <laughs> <laughs> this man's bald pattern is just scary please don't let me go bald like that the last time i spoke to you was in vegas remember that we went to vegas together vaguely but we went to you remember we went to uh, pamela anderson's show with hans clock the magician you know hans clock yeah i know pam too a little bit pam, yeah have a home number. I've talked to her on the phone a couple of times. So we went, and you fell asleep there as well as you're doing now during my interview. <laughs> during the show. Feel, I don't feel any special. Just like I fall asleep with everybody equally. <laughs> I'm not singling you out. You find everybody and equally. Here he is, a nice guy named Robert. Robert, you're nice to meet you. You know why? <laughs> <laughs> you find everybody equally bored. I'll tell you, don't never fall asleep on a porno film. Oh, you're in a heap of trouble. Have you done that? Oh, oh and I stopped. I'll be like this. <sighs> We're doing the, the Three Stooges. Yeah. Don't bring that up. Three Stooges. And that is be dead to the world, right? Then they find the, how it's done. We find the nastiest, biggest, blackest dirk and put a right smack against my face. And he wakes me. I'm like, Ron, what? There it is. There's Ron Jang like this. Did you actually? A story for you. You want a dirty, uh, quick sex story? Oh, of course we do. Where's my uh, Where's my light bulb? Yeah. It plays off Ron Jeremy there. Okay. I was a young guy here, you know, a young gentleman, a young lad at 23. And I went out to this party. Uh, a, the radio station was having a Christmas party and it had an open bar. So I went to this open bar and I drank. I was young, you know, 23. So I drank a lot. And my fr I was with a guy, a friend that, that drove. 
and uh, he and I tried to pick up women the whole night. Neither one of us were successful. So I get home. It's like one o'clock in the morning. I've been drinking all day. So I was like, I got to call somebody up. I want, I want the company of a female, you know? So I called this lady up named Tina. I can say her name. Fuck it. It's 2004. And uh, so Tina comes over and thankfully she's wanting to do whatever. And the last thing I remember, I was getting a blowjob. And then I wake up the next day and my shit's hanging out and she's gone. So I get up and the guy I went to the party with named Brandon, I was like, the fuck happened to Tina? He's like, bro, she's so mad at you. I was like, what did I do? She said, I was sucking this motherfucker's dick and he passed out. <laughs> he said, she slammed the door and everything. He said, it made shit on the wall shake. And he's like, she was furious, man. He's like, I'm surprised the door alone didn't wake you up. But he's like, you were just snoring. <laughs> So I passed out getting head once in 2004. So it made me think of that because of Ron Jeremy. I want to know if that's happened to anyone else. Uh, Tooch, come on, give it to us straight, brother. Did that no, ever happen to you? Uh, really? That, that'd be hard for me to, to fall. No pun intended. <laughs> have to be it's hap it's happened drunk. to me, man. I've fallen asleep during sex. Uh, I hate to say it, but uh, it has. It wasn't because I was bored. It was just I was too fucking tired. <laughs> the other thing that's happened to me in that scenario, and this was when I was in, like I'm in the vagina, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, it was from a perspective of me on top, but I, I had drunk a liter of vodka and I didn't even want to drink. It was like, mm -hmm. she was like peer pressuring me and it, but I was already like 28. So I was kind of starting to quit drinking anyway. Mm -hmm. but I, I just dove in too much, man. Cause it was vanilla twist Smirnoff. And she had some vanilla Coke. So I mixed the shit, and all you could taste was the soda. So I drank the whole fucking liter, the whole bottle. And so now I'm hitting it, and this lady's name was Tammy. But it's so many years ago, I feel like I can say that. I'm not saying her last name. I'm not besmirching her. But so I'm doing my business with her, and I was like, oh, God, the room's starting to spin. The room's starting to spin. I, 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 I got to just, just for a second, Tammy, I got to stop. And I got off of her bed. And I just vomited all over her floor, and I passed out. It was terrible. I woke up cold in my own vomit, saying to her, please don't clean it up. Please make me clean it up. And then, <laughs> like three hours later, I wake up again, still naked, cold as fuck, and no vomit. And I was like, why did you? She goes, Dan, there, there was vomit. I mean, there was blood in your vomit. I had oh, no. Oh, so my God. So I didn't drink I didn't drink any more booze, like liquor. That, Like I said, that was in 2010, like right around the time I turned 30. I didn't drink liquor again until like 35. Like I just quit because I didn't know what the blood in it sounded bad. I, and I've since not really drunk much at all anymore. So whatever. that's where it's all started, man. But yes, I I was inside it and, and the room started to spin and that was a terrible feeling. Tammy Johnson, you say? No, no, no. <laughs> I can't say your last name, you know. Tammy Robinson? <laughs> no, but even that's not it at all, but I still can't say it. But no, she I... would be like Mrs. Robinson from The Graduate because she was 10 years older than me. Wow. Did that movie turn you on? Yeah, yeah. Like the, the mom, especially because, like I told you in my early 20s, man, because of my radio show, I was completely live all the time back then. And 
uh, women interacted with me and I had the same voice that I have now, at like fucking 14. So wow. in terms of being deep and stuff. So I was like, you know, I, it, when I started working in radio and I had only slept with like three women and then I had a four year relationship end and these older women started like calling man. And before I knew it, I was, I, I, that was my thing. I suddenly was my niche was fucking 50 year olds and I'm like 24. Wow. Nice. So nice. yeah, the graduate thing is sort of a turn on in that regard. I, I don't know. Let me ask you guys this though. If you're Dustin Hoffman, do you want to fuck the daughter or the mom in that film? Boy, that's a tough both, question. Both yeah, but if you, if, well, if you had the chance to, to do one and be with one or what have you, mm. which I one would, would you uh, be with? Go ahead. Go ahead, Tooch. Tell us, Scott. <laughs> Thomas is asking if it's Tammy Burr. Is that Detroit Lions fan? Is that Don Burr's wife? <laughs> you tell us. <laughs> well, maybe that was her. No, no, no. no. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, Johnny Santucci, which one are you doing? Anne Bancroft? Or what was the name of the actress who played the um, gorgeous woman? Uh, she was yeah. in a. Kathleen Quinlan? Is that? No, 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 no. One more question before you answer this. Is the implication at the end of the graduate, they they get on like some kind of public transportation. Is it a bus or something at the end? And it seems like they're about to break up again, doesn't it? When it goes off, it seems like they're suddenly bored with each other again real quick. And Yeah, it's funny that you say that. Because... Look too much into it. When I was in college, we that was one of the films that we studied, and so we had Catherine this long Ross. discussion. Catherine Ross, uh, we had this long discussion about well, the significance of that scene because they do. Uh, uh, Dustin Hoffman, spoiler alert, shows up and ruins Catherine Ross's uh, marriage to some white yeah. waspy guy, and they get on a public bus and they rush to the end of the bus and they sit down, they look at each other, and then they look forward. And they have these like sly little smiles, but they don't look really happy. It's so like oh, regret. It, it looks yeah. like regret. Yeah, and so uh, the consensus in the class was is that they were like really fearful as to what is ahead. It was like, what the fuck did we do? You know, what are, do we really? Are we going to really be together? You know, uh, and so a tough road ahead. You know, they're in a vehicle and stuff. So that that was the consensus in the class. Dude, did you see the movie? And, and what was your yeah. impression of the ending? That's exactly what I would say too, Aldo. There's, you know, yeah. it, we just did something. We might have to, there might be some consequences. And the young girl's character seems very uh, fickle anyway. And just mm -hmm. like, it's going to change her mind over and over and over to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Catherine Ross is the one woman that he, at any age I would choose over Anne Bancroft. And Anne Bancroft is a gorgeous, gorgeous woman. But I had a thing for uh, Miss uh, Ross at the time, and uh, I actually still do. She still looks pretty good for her age. Look, Take a look at her there. She looks like Steven Tyler from Aerosmith there. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Good Lord. Her, she's done something to her lips, like collagen or something. No, she's not looking good old. She looks like Steve Tyler. You're a mean man. Dude looks like a lady. <laughs> <laughs> You're a mean man. I'll tell you a girl I'd never heard of that I thought was so fucking fine. 
I watched this old movie. It's not super old. It's from like 97, but I'd never watched it until last night called no. Gross Point Blank with yeah, Cusack. Yeah, the right. girl in it is fucking magnificent. She's a British actress named Minnie Driver. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't know in, her at all until that movie. She was in Goodwill Hunting. I never saw that. Isn't it like a Matt Damon movie or something? Yeah, it's a good movie with like Robin Matt Williams. Damon. The Matt Damon movie I've ever liked was The Departed. And that's because of Nicholson and DiCaprio and Wahlberg. Yeah, uh, she was in Big Night too with Stanley Tucci and uh, Tony Shalhoub. Do you remember Lee that? Lee Driver is is a very gorgeous. Yes, I remember Tony Shalhoub. Uh, he played Monk on the TV show. Yeah. Oh, you I guys hated never that seen show, uh, Big Night? Mm-hmm. Did you never see uh, that movie? Although Big Night, no, no, I, yeah. I've heard great things about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's really excellent. It's uh, two brothers who have an Italian restaurant, and right. Tony Shalhoub is like the genius cook, and Stanley Tucci is like the, the manager, Mini Drivers, the love interest, and uh, she works at the restaurant as well, and they have this big night coming up with a food critic, you know, of course. Right. Uh, Italian food is kind of new, you know, for restaurants and stuff. He, he came from Italy. Tony Shalhoub wants to do these, like, you know, uh, other Italian dishes that are more, you know, uncommon, and everyone just wants spaghetti and meatballs. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, you have to see it; it's great. It's a good, really good movie. <laughs> yeah, I, that's that's one that I I've got to put back on my list because it's one one yeah. of those films that escaped me when it was released, and and it's hard to find now, or I, I don't see it come up on my list. I've seen a bunch of stuff lately that I'd love to talk to you guys about, but I don't know if you guys have seen it, and I don't want to pontificate on stuff that I'm the only one that has seen. But that one lady on uh, I, the White Lotus no, season two is. A, I'm sorry, Aldo. Go ahead. Yes. No, no, no. Something's I'm, I'm, I'm sighing with uh, sexual. Say again. Something's fucked up. It's like Hello. you were like moving your lips, and no voice was coming out. It was like a bad fucking karate movie. Yeah. Is it better now? No, you keep freezing on my end. I don't know if it's me or you. A little bit. Aldo froze a little bit there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Aldo's freezing on me. Well, I was just going to say, the lady from the white, uh, what's it called again? The White Lotus? Correct. Yeah, the lady that played the escort, the Italian lady. Oh, my God. That's one of the hottest women I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one that fucks is... the kids that Michael from the Sopranos is kid. And then she mm-hmm. like literally fucks him and steals that money from him and hustles him. Oh mm-hmm. my god, she's amazing. Yeah, she I'm can hustle to me too. <laughs> trying to find a, a nice picture of her. Yeah, but that and what a great role for her. She plays Lucia, Lucia, I think is the and, and she's just without giving anything away, uh, because I, I really uh, if, if those of you who like good drama, sexual drama and stuff, The White Lotus, eight episodes, maybe, yeah, eight, seven or eight episodes. Uh, this is the one that Dan is referring to. She's an Italian actress. Where are you? There she is. She mm. is simply gorgeous, and she plays a, yeah. a an escort who is very adept at uh, getting as much money from out of you as possible. So um, <laughs> really, really, really good story, man. Yeah, who is that? She was phenomenal. Whoops, can't can't do that. Let's put Dan up there. Dan, you go in the corner, Dan. (laughs) That's fine. I deserve it. Bring up this actress. Yeah, who was that actress? (laughs) 
Her name is, where are you? Oh, Simona Tabasco. Wow. Even her name makes me want to touch my penis. Tabasco? Simona, it just sounds like, oh, I got head from Simona. Yeah, that is that is a nice name. Yeah. What? What'd you think of Aubrey Plaza in that in that show? You know, I, I'm a big fan of hers anyway, as I've told you about from she was in the night or not the night before. Uh, Mike and Dave need wedding dates and that one with Robert uh, De Niro called Bad Grandpa. Mm-hmm. And recently she's increased her her style of act. She was in a good movie called Emily the Criminal. Uh, yeah. It was in that child's play that remake. One. Emily yeah. the Criminal's pretty good, isn't it, Tooch? It was great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like your Netflix movie was excellent. What what's, so, uh, what's the plot line on that one? Oh man, uh, she's Plaza, she's a lady. Yeah, she's, oh, go ahead, I'll let you tell you. Go ahead. Okay, all right. Uh, Aubrey Plaza is like a uh, young woman trying to like just get a job and get stable after she did uh, uh, some time in prison for assault and a bunch yeah. of student loan debt. Right, and, and she has a bunch of student loan debt, so she has like some you know financial pressure and past. Uh, uh, deeds, pressure, and uh, uh, she's working a dead end job, and her other friends are trying to get her, you know, better jobs, straight jobs, or whatever. And uh, she meets one, one of her co workers, uh, introduces her to these guys who do some, you know, questionable things like with making their own fake credit, credit card yeah. fraud. Yeah, credit card fraud. She goes in and buys stuff and kind of gets a fling going with uh, uh, one of the guys. That dude's Theo, Theo Rossi, the actor. I don't know if you've seen him before. He's like Puerto Rican, Italian, Middle Eastern, Jewish guy. He's got like, wow. he say he's got like every like ethnicity. That's him. He's got like every ethnicity. He's been in a bunch of movies lately. Uh, sometimes or most, most times as a bad guy. But uh, he's kind of like a soft-hearted criminal that falls in with her. And uh, they come up with some plan, uh, some scheming and stuff like that. And it's you'd have to watch. I don't want to give away much, but that sum it up pretty good, Dan. Or yeah, well, she gets really in over her head. Yeah, yeah. and it's like she, she can't. It. Yeah, she cards. can't get out of this world that she's in. It's almost like yeah. you know, if you were one of the guys in Goodfellas, you can't just be like suddenly like you know going to tell Paul Servino I'm out. <laughs> you know, it's not so easy. And yeah. and and. They're mad because the, the guy's crew because he's suddenly fucking this white woman. Yeah. And they don't trust her because she's white and, and because she's a woman. And so now there's this rift between the two like family members too. It, it's yeah. It it gets pretty wild and it's fairly violent. It's definitely rated yeah. R. Yeah. But the, the, the shows she really shows she's a good actress, man. She can yeah. play different roles. She was in the Child's Play remake, like I said, in 2019. She's great at comedy, can do suspense, mm-hmm. drama, and she was good in The White Lotus. Uh, she had a great mm-hmm. tan in The White Lotus. She was supposed to be half Puerto Rican there, if you heard, Aldo. Yeah. Uh, White Lotus, her character was biracial. She was part Puerto Rican and part white, her character. She really is part Puerto Rican. Oh, I didn't know that, but they they kept stressing that with her character because that was sort of their background. Uh, They they were talking about a couple things in her youth was in San Juan Mm -hmm. on the show. Because remember, the other two guys, the other woman and the other guy are kind of snobs. Right. Yeah. And had really traveled everywhere and kind of made them feel inferior. 
Yeah, you know, and the, the other thing about Aubrey Plaza that I like, anytime she makes one of these uh, talk show appearances, she just nails it, man. She is so fucking funny. She's got such a self-deprecating, deprecating humor and, and deadpan humor. Uh, she's just phenomenal. Uh, great actress, great comedic timing. And uh, I can't wait to see Emily the Criminal now. I want to see her in the dramatic role. Yeah. So, um, you want me to bring really, it Saturday? Uh, excuse me? I said, do you want me to bring em Emily the Criminal with me too? Yeah, bring it with you. I was going to bring those old football games, which I still am holding you to to watch. But uh, yeah, do you want me we'll to watch. bring Emily the Criminal? I can as well. Mm -hmm. I've got it in Blu-ray. Retro says he invades Puerto Rico five times a week. Unfortunately, not tonight. Ah, he's married to a Puerto Rican. Look at this guy. I mean, six, five <laughs> times a week. <laughs> yeah, bring it with you. We'll uh, we'll check it out. we got a lot. Dan and I are going to spend Saturday, uh, besides doing our last show together, uh, we're going to spend the time looking at what are the football games you're bringing with you? I told you uh, the last when I just gotten home the day after the last trip and the fiasco that manifested within that, uh, I got home and I was just so down as a product of all these things that occurred. And I'd gotten a color version of Super Bowl four, which again, to show you how rare this is NFL plus you're familiar with the app NFL plus before the season started, they had some old football games on NFL plus. And even the NFL's version of Super Bowl IV that they had on there was also the black and white version. So the wow. NFL was still rocking the black and white version. I've got the fucking color now. So uh, I was going to show you that. And then I was just telling you like how fucking great the pregame shows used to be on these games. They weren't trying to entertain you. They were geared toward NFL fans. Like mm -hmm. the two pregame shows preceding Super Bowl sixteen and seventeen. It's, it's like the best pregame football I've ever seen in my entire life. And it's so different from anything you would see today. And one's with CBS and one's with NBC. So I was going to bring those just to show you those pregames, which you saw, you saw yourself 40-some years ago, but that was a long time ago. So I was okay. hoping to show you Super Bowl four because, again, I was sitting there like going through the motions trying to watch it and felt like a zombie because I was so upset of everything that happened from the, the time I left last time. So, anyway, I was hoping to watch some old football with you because nobody else gives a fuck. Well, I got to yeah, figure I'm, I'm going to sleep somehow, though, because I have to leave for the airport at, like, 3.30 in the morning because you got to be there an hour before your flight. I got to leave at 6 a.m., you know? So, it's just like, fuck, at some point I got to sleep that day, too, you know? But Fucking hey, Well, you can sleep while I, I watch the game. I'm watching TV with you all day, though, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You'll fall asleep <laughs> watch, watching the game. I know you will. I don't you want to, though. Are you guys interested in watching the new Avatar movie? It's a four-hour... Um... I never watched the first one. Really? That first one was really good. Uh, I'm not... It's not my genre. It's not my genre. It feels like uh, you come to my house and watch Avatar and Harry Potter Part 4. You know, just like, ah. <laughs> you don't want to watch it for the... Uh... The, the visual effects and the visual uh, being immersed in that world that James Cameron has created. It's a little too, like I said, star Wars ish. That genre, mm -hmm. like it's just, I'm not into like, I love total recall, love the Terminator things that can be sci-fi, but also somewhat horror movie to some degree. Like this is like sci-fi and like, Oh, I've never got any pussy and I've got a lightsaber like to me kind of movie. 
maybe I'm wrong, but I, I would watch it for a woman or something, you know, but until someone's like, Oh dude, you got to watch avatar with me, then I'm probably not going to watch it. Well, I'm only interested in it because it is Cameron who I think is a super sensational filmmaker, even when he's doing sellout movies. I think the, the first avatar was, it was a, was a sellout and, uh, uh, he, he's still a, a one of the great filmmakers of our time and of all time. And so from that perspective, I'm interested in, in taking a look at it. Um, one movie from a fantastic filmmaker that I saw recently is The Fablemans. Have, have you guys seen that or heard about it? No. Uh, is that Tom Hanks? Is that Tom Hanks? Uh, no, it's not Tom Hanks. This is the Steven okay. Spielberg movie that is based on his life. Okay. The Fablemans. And so if you know the story about Spielberg and how he got into filmmaking, he was a, he was a, a, a boy genius with a camera. And uh, some of the problems that he had growing up with his uh, mother being uh, unfaithful, uh, with his father mm. not supporting his dream to be a filmmaker – almost meant that Steven Spielberg almost did not become a filmmaker. His father was, was wanted him to be, you know, like uh, an engineer like he was. Uh, his father was a, a, a big cat with IBM. And uh, his mom, who was a glorious, uh, free-spirited movie, I mean, uh, a woman who, who is, she's an artist, and she's inspired him to pick up the camera and make movies and stuff. It's a great, great story, um, very much based on his own personal life. Uh, and I, if, if you love the movies, this is one you have to watch. It does get a little clunky in uh, the second hour. It's a two hours and 20 minutes or so, but it's definitely worth watching if you're a Spielberg fan. And if you love the movies, uh, I highly, highly recommend it. And that, and that was Seth Rogen, who is in the movie as part of the cast. Uh, everyone else, uh, Lou, Michelle Phillips, uh, Paul Danko, I believe, is uh, is the father. Uh, all do Judd Hirsch is, is in the movie. All do a fantastic, fantastic job. So I've got a spinoff a thing to uh, to to tell you about. So about Michelle it. Williams is in this, and you said Seth Rogen. Right. They're in a tremendous film from 2011, I think, and mm -hmm. it shows Sarah Silverman's Bush in it as well. Uh, what? But it's called Take This Waltz. <laughs> Take This Waltz, uh, which is, uh, God, what's the guy's name? The uh, older guy who's, who's dead now. All of his songs are kind of spoken. It's not like he's really singing. Leonard but really Cohen. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's named from a Leonard Cohen song called Take This Waltz. But Michelle Williams is dating Seth Rogen in the movie and is having an affair with the neighbor because she's bored of sex, sex, Seth's sex. And by the time she starts doing all these things, the wild neighbor, you know, doing threesomes, eating pussy and all this shit, but she gets bored of him too. So Whoa. then she tries to go back to Seth, you know, I don't want to spoil anymore, but it's a drama, man. It's called take this waltz. You see Michelle Williams is Bush in it too, but Seth, Sarah's is, she plays Seth Rogan's brother in the film. So on the uh, four Bushes scale, what would you rate the movie? <laughs> The movie's good, man. The movie, the movie's very yeah. good. I, I, the reason I brought it up, other than that, they played in the same movie together before. Is I, I know I'm going to take some heat for this. Off the top of my head, I can tell you one Steven Spielberg movie that I liked, and that was Jaws. 
I can't oh, think of others. I can't think of any others that I liked. A classic. I, I, hated can, I can watch that over and I over again. Hated you know, ET as in. a kid. As a kid, my two movies. I told somebody else this story the other day. Two movies that my mom like wanted me to watch as a kid and thought I would like that I hated mm-hmm. were ET and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Just complete utter pieces of shit. Horrible films. I thought. I'm. I'm not a. Uh... E.T. fan, and I know that's considered probably his masterpiece of all the masterpieces he's done, but you have not seen Schindler's List? Oh, I forgot that he did Schindler's List. Yeah, good film. Good film. Okay. Lincoln? I didn't see... I did not like Saving Private Ryan. I saw it at the what? theater. I great. saw it at the theater, and I thought, my God, I, I didn't leave. I didn't go piss or anything. I wanted to watch the whole film. And I felt like I needed to shave like six different times in it because I was in this movie so long. It was like six <laughs> hours. It was too long. It rambled and meandered without much of a plot at various points. I, I didn't like it, but I did like there was no Bush List. in it either. Right, but up. Schindler's List was obviously, <laughs> uh, you know, a good film. I mean, you, it's a it's a tough topic to digest. Obviously, the Holocaust. But I forgot that Spielberg did that. What about Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park? I Who never watched Jurassic monster. Park. I liked that one Indiana Jones film, The Temple of Doom, when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I I didn't like any of the others that I saw. Oh. I, I watched the first one and third one, but I didn't like them. Short Round first is, uh, is in a, the little actor who played Short Round in Temple of Doom has got a movie yeah. out right now, Everything Everywhere All at Once. It was really oh, good. I didn't know that. That kid's still yeah. alive then? Good. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, the, actually, the husband of... Uh, to Michelle Yeoh in that movie. You have to see it. It's really great. Right. He took time off from acting and came back. And I think that was his first movie um, uh, on his return. So let's see other uh, Spielberg movies, uh, the minority report with Tom Cruise. You ever see that? That was great. Yeah, It was okay. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. Colin Farrell was awesome. Yeah. Maybe I should give him more credit. That's a DiCaprio, Tom Hanks one. Yeah. Again, I didn't love it. Uh, I was becoming a DiCaprio fan by that point. I, uh, you know, because he's, he's going to get into his, his zone there for a while and making really, really good movies right after this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Color purple. Oh, the color purple is really, really tough to watch Danny Glover just beat the dog shit out of Whoopi Goldberg. But I didn't even remember that that was a Spielberg film. I saw that when it was fairly new, probably around 86, watched that as a kid, just watching her get the shit beaten out of her, uh, and Oprah was in it. I remember that. That's a tough movie to. I don't want to watch it again. It's it's no. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Didn't see it. What? Isn't that an alien film? Yes, it is. I don't give a fuck about alien films. <laughs> Do you believe that there are aliens out there, Dan? No. No. Not in the traditional sense of like people have been abducted and things things like that. No. Do I think the little green men have abducted people? No. But do I think it's possible there's life forms in other galaxies? Yes. But do I think that we, we've we seen them here on Earth? No. What about you, Tooch? you believe in uh, extraterrestrial beings? Uh, I think it's certainly possible. It would be naive to think it wasn't. But uh, without evidence, you know, I find things hard to believe. I told you this before, Aldo. Uh, a couple of seasons back on American Horror Story, they had a guy playing Nixon, a guy playing Eisenhower, a guy playing Kennedy. Within the context of that story, you know the that the one the conspiracy theory that alien people believe is that they landed in New Mexico and Roswell, 
Mm-hmm. You know, you're familiar with that, right? Absolutely. In the context of the that American Horror Story, that really happened, and all of our technology comes from aliens, and that Eisenhower signed an agreement with them, allowing them to abduct 250 Americans a year to do tests on them because they're trying to figure out a way to survive their species to evolve. And as a result, they give us technology. Like early on in the season, they have like a little phone in their hand. I mean, clearly supposed to be an iPhone. He's like, at some point, this will be your way of life. Your whole life will be connected to this, this right here. And like Nixon's like, bullshit, but we can't give the technology to the Russians. You know, so, so they, but they make this agreement. All of our technology, even, even the microwave comes from the aliens. Wow. What, what was that I, in? American Horror Story, uh, season oh, American 10. American Horror Story, nice. Yeah, uh, the guys playing Eisenhower and Nixon are fucking incredible. They're really, really on point. Like, yeah, the yeah. guy playing Nixon on that was way better than Anthony Hopkins. And I love that movie that Oliver Stone did called Nixon, but Anthony Hopkins was not very good as Nixon. Mm-hmm. What do you think? You saw that movie, right? No. I thought you saw the Oliver Stone film with the, uh, James Woods played Haldeman. Yeah, I did, but frankly, I don't remember it very well. Uh, I saw it in the theater when it was first released, and and I think I fell asleep during that one. Oh, it's a great, great film, but Anthony Hopkins wasn't very good as Nixon, I didn't think. I mean, he wasn't bad, but... I thought he was awful. It's like, why hire him to be Nixon? I mean, come on. There's got to be tons of American actors. Not that I'm xenophobic about British actors playing American presidents, but... It just to me, I thought it was bad casting. So I went, I saw the movie. I think I was asleep like 15, 20 minutes into it and woke up, you know, when, when fucking Nixon is crying over <laughs> the paintings of the, on the White House. You should, you should really, really go back and that should be one you, in my opinion, that you give a second chance to. I will. That's a phenomenal film. And you like yeah. politics. So it's, it's great. I love politics and I love Oliver Stone. I love his movies. Uh, I'm just, I was a little. A little bored by that one, but I was smoking a lot of dope back then. So, <laughs> so what I'm saying is Oliver Stone obviously is not someone that like really likes Nixon, as you can tell, as you would think, but it's still really fair within the context of the movie. And I think he did a tremendous job with it. I thought it was great. It, three plus hours of brilliance. Three plus hours. <laughs> well, That's so why JFK. JFK was great too. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love JFK. One yeah, of my JFK favorites. Is one of, yeah. Awesome mm-hmm. movie. Um, all right. So here's another one that I saw that I want to share with you guys. It is named. Oh, th- this is on your recommendation, Dan Aguirre, Amsterdam. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? Did you like it? Well, why don't you tell people about the plot first, and then I'll tell you my reaction to the film. Um, the plot. Well, I don't know if I can even tell you what the plot is. Uh, it's so, so fucking th- convoluted. It's like, what the fuck? How many <laughs> subplots are we going to have in this no, goddamn I don't know. film? Early in the film, uh, what's the guy, uh, Christian, Christian Bale and Denzel Washington's son, uh, John David Washington, and Margot Robbie uh, meet during the times of World War One, and become like a trio and... Eventually, I, I don't know how to tell you the plot. At the end of it, it's basically a fascist plot to overtake the government, and they want to take Robert De Niro's playing a general that could be akin to uh, what was that general's name that was over the uh, nuclear um, when the bomb was coming out. There was this real hard right winger that uh, 
when we were about to drop the bomb on Russia, I can't think kind of gives you that feel of uh, that's who they think he is. But De Niro's character actually is left wing in the film and not a hardliner the way they want him to be. And so he doesn't go along with the fascist plot to overtake the government, but uh, it's, it's, it's good in between like the John David Washington's character, obviously he's Denzel's son. He's black and uh, Margot Robbie's white and they're leaving the country at the end of the film. The, the line that got me the most Christian Bale, you could hear him thinking in his head. He didn't say it aloud. He said something to the effect of, I'm not going to leave my country, but I'm going to be here for when my country is ready to have my friend back. You know, he's just saying, I'm fucking it up. But they were an interracial couple. They really are. (laughs) I'm sorry. They're an interracial couple. And he makes a point that even though he's a war hero, the country's not ready to accept them in America as an interracial couple. So he says something poignant about, I'm not leaving my country, but when they get back here, I'll make my country accept them as a couple or something. You know, it's, it's very good at the time. It's very, very touching because he's right in, in that era. I mean, it, hell, even now in some cases it's, it's controversial, but definitely then. So, right, but I so, watched it in the middle of the night. You're letting me hear, you're letting me drown here. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I, I am. Well, because I wanted to make the point. See, that's how I felt about the movie. It was so fucking convoluted. It's hard to talk about it. But here's, here's the thing, because I've always thought that there should be a movie made about this story. This is based on a true story. There was really a general by the name of uh, Smedley, Smedley, they show his picture at the end during the credits. The real general, Robert De Niro character was based on, and there were a bunch of very rich, hard right people who wanted to overthrow Franklin Delano Roosevelt's government, and they were trying to galvanize infantry guys, and they were using this Colonel Smedley, the Robert De Niro character in the movie, they were using him to try to get all these these uh, ex, uh, veterans to to uh, do an overthrow of the U.S. government. I've I read the book maybe 15, 20 years ago about the secret plot, something that's rarely talked about in American history. And I fell in love with the story. And I said, "This is a fucking movie." And so finally, okay, here's here's the movie. David O. Russell is doing it, a, a director that I respect. Uh, he's got a fantastic cast. And the movie is just going all over the fucking place. This is one time where I wish I was the Hollywood studio and I would have walked in and said, David, okay, go home and feed the cats. I'm going to fucking cut your movie to an hour and 50 minutes long. And I'm going to make this fucking story sing and take out all of this extraneous bullshit. Uh, You know, there's too many subplots, too much going on, too much backstory and stuff. The story is about this coup attempt. Should have focused on that. That would have made it a great movie. But you were entertained, though. I was entertained. I I definitely was entertained because David O. Russell is such a good fucking director. The cast is fantastic. Every fucking performance in this cast is absolutely great. And the shooting style is, is fantastic as well. I mean, those two characters, uh, Mike Shannon and the Michael Myers, they play they play these two goofballs. <laughs> you know when Mike Myers plays in movies now? Michael Myers, uh, the Wayne's the World From World, Wayne's World at SNL and Austin Powers. Yes, and now he's he's like made a profession out of being these English characters. You know, yeah, He did that in Tarantino's movie, uh, 
Oh, uh, what was it? Uh, Inglorious Bastards. Bastards. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) So there's a lot of cool stuff on there. You know, maybe if it would have been a a miniseries, a three, four part miniseries, it would have worked better for me. But as a feature film, once you get into a lot of complicated subplots, you got to treat that stuff very carefully or not. You lose the audience. And I'm, uh, you know, I was one of those people that started getting a little frustrated by the time the second hour started. I was like, man, I wish they would have gotten to this part of the movie earlier because this is the real story here. That's Chris Rock was in it too. Who? Chris Rock. Chris Rock, very small yeah. role. Uh, but he's know, in it though. Yes. It's a great fucking cast. And I, I would recommend that you all see that. By the way, Joseph says that Rachel Maddow is doing a podcast on this same plot, too, called Ultra. It's excellent. And yeah, uh, I've heard that, uh, Joseph, and I, it's like the number one podcast in the nation has been for a while. So lots of people that I respect are saying this is a fucking great podcast. So I'm definitely going to uh, listen to that. Maybe on my way back from Vegas uh, on the plane. So looking forward to that. All right. Another movie that I saw I want you guys to react to um, and I think you saw it, uh, Dan Aguilar, because I recommended it to you, The Fallout. Which one was The Fallout? The Fallout is uh, the story of, um, um, let me uh, call this up to remind myself. It is the, the, the cast, what the fucking cast on this movie? Hold on a second. Let me, uh, it's uh, Jenna Ortega. The little girl that plays Wednesday Adams, Maddie Ziegler. It starts off that these two high school kids are in the washroom together. They don't know, know each other. Maddie Ziegler uh, plays this very popular girl. Oh, yeah, very I didn't attractive. see this. I do want to see this. You sent okay. me the trailer of this. Yeah, this looks excellent. Yes, and so Jenny Ortega is, is this like 15, 16 year old girl. They're both in the washroom, and all of a sudden, bang, 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 bang. There's a fucking killer in the school, and uh, they hide in the uh, in one of the washroom stalls. I won't say anything else about the movie, but it's definitely worth watching. It's it dealing is- with their trauma, obviously, from the trailer. Yes. Exactly. Now, exactly. W- how can I watch this? I thought it was about to come to the theater. I didn't realize I could watch it already. Yeah, because I, I saw it. Where the fuck did I see it? Is it, it? on HBO? Uh, HBO Max, yes. Yeah, I'll try to watch that tonight at work if we're not too busy then. Cool, cool. Uh, Retro says that the he movie saw you told movie. me about in the theater with the guy with the X-ray eyes. I did watch that one. <laughs> What'd you think of that? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say it was five stars, but it was okay, especially if you put it in the context of when it was made. Yes. So, well, how did we get on that topic? You asked me I'm what was the first you movie the saw. first movie you saw in the theater as a kid. Right. Right. So back when I was a kid, people walked in in the middle of the movie all the fucking time. That was the thing back there. In fact, there were ad campaigns saying you, uh, for Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho movie, he actually told the movie theaters, don't let anyone in in the middle of the movie. That became their advertising campaign because it was a regular thing. You know, the, the movie started an hour ago and people were sitting down right in fucking front of you. <laughs> my mom takes me and my brother to to a movie and we walk in in the last two minutes of a movie named the man with the x-ray eyes and so i sit down i'm a five-year-old kid and then ray milland who plays the man with the x-ray eyes takes off 
these big old thick sunglasses because the the, the sunlight would, would just burn his eyes. He takes it off and reveals his x-ray eyes. And I'm like a little kid going, oh, no, oh, no, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was my experience in movie theaters for the very first time. Two, what was your first movie in a movie theater? <laughs> I think it was the Gnome Mobile with Sean Connery. It's like the a Gnome? Disney movie. Oh, Sean Connery was in a Disney movie? Yeah, it's like Are his first movie or something. Me? Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. and, and Dan Aguirre, what was yours? Well, I. When I was a kid, kid, we used to go to a drive-in theater frequently that was still open close to our home in the early 80s. But I don't recall those experiences very much mm-hmm. other than I know I saw Richard Pryor in the toy at that theater where he's like this white kid's best friend or whatever, like Jackie Gleason, I think, is in it. It's not a great movie, but uh, I saw that, but I don't really remember so much. The first that I can remember being in a theater, not in your car, uh I was six in 1987. I hadn't turned seven yet. And my dad was at the VA hospital, like getting shock treatment or something. And I'm not trying to make light of that, but as a family, we went out to eat and went to this movie trying to kill time before we went to go get him. And we watched Hellraiser in the theater. So I was again, six, my first experience in theaters, fucking Hellraiser though. Scary as hell. (laughs) No shit. (laughs) But still the movie that scared me, because again, we didn't have a lot of TV options in the early eighties growing up in West Virginia. We had like 15 channels, but I did have HBO and ESPN, which was like, you know, saved my life. But we rented movies a lot. Cause we had a seven 11, like a mile from our house that rented VHS tapes. So we constantly were renting movies and watching them. And the movie that scared me to this day, it makes me feel anxiety when I was watching it. The only movies a kid, again, I was watching nightmare on Elm street. I saw the exorcist at like six, None of these movies scared me, but Cujo fucked me up because <laughs> in, my head, in my head, I knew Michael Myers or Freddy or Jason weren't real, but that goddamn dog, that dog could be outside my door. <laughs> That's right. I saw that shit at four. I saw Cujo yeah. at four. It was terrifying. Yeah, it was a good sex scene in that. So do you remember the sex scene? You, when she's having the affair? Yeah. She's fucking that guy that looks like the bounty ta- paper towel guy. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, it's too bad the dog didn't kill him. Because <laughs> the dog killed a bunch of people in that fucking film, you know? Yeah, it's a good film. And w- my favorite moment in that film is when there's an attack on the dog and they place the camera right in the middle of the car because they're hiding in the car. They can't get out of the car. Sure, as sure. soon as they make some attempt to open the car door, the dog is fucking there and ready to pounce on them. And so they place the camera uh, after one of the dog attacks. They place the camera in the middle of the car, and then every, the kid in the background is screaming, the the mom in the front seat, she's crying and so forth, and the camera starts doing 360s, and it keeps panning around. 360, it gets faster, and it gets faster, and it gets faster, and it gets faster. I'm just going fucking crazy, man. That movie was really well done, and as a when I saw it, I was a, a teenager, and I loved it. I fucking loved it. At the time, I thought that was the best Stephen King uh, movie uh, because the first few Stephen King movies were big f- flops. You know, they just nobody nobody could uh, tell his uh, uh, story. About well. the Shining, though. Well, The Shining was after Cujo. Well, after Cujo, I want to say no, no, I mean, Cujo was eighty three, and so The Shining was eighty six. The Shining's eighty. 
Really? It was before? Wow. It was Shining in 79, and it was released in 80. Not to contradict you, I'm sorry. No, no. You, you, I, I you saw did. the Cujo when it was came out on VHS tape in like 84 as mm -hmm. a family. Uh, yeah, that's the name of the kid. He was in Who's the Boss? That's right. He ended up, he's actually a homosexual in real life. Not that that means. Not that there's anything story. wrong with that. <laughs> no, no, I just remember, that's just a fun fact, you know, from it. Yeah. But yeah, I saw Cujo in like, uh, when it was new on VHS tape. So I'm saying I was four years old when we watched it, uh, and that's why it fucked me up. The Shining was before that. Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I didn't remember that, but yeah, th that. But there were those first few King uh, movies that were, uh, uh, you know, based on his books, critically at least, they, they were not well received. Somebody, I think it was Mo Bierman, said that uh, he had on. Uh, oh, what was it? What movie? It was a Hitchcock movie, uh, Dial M for Murder. It was on Dial, had Dial M for Murder on the background earlier. One of the things that was cool about that movie is that Hitchcock filmed that movie for 3D because at the time that movie was being made, the 3D craze was underway. But by the time they got into post-production and ready to make the 3D prints, the whole 3D craze died off. And so the studio said, let's not go through the expense of making these 3D prints. You know, let's just run it flat. And as a college student, I got to see a 3D print of Dial M for Murder, and it was fucking fantastic. Let me take you to a scene wow. where if you know the story, it's about a husband who is trying to get his wife murdered. And so there's a scene where uh, the woman, played by Grace Kelly, is in her apartment, and the murderer comes up behind her and starts to choke her, and she kind of uh, has her back to the camera, and there's some scissors in the foreground, and she starts reaching for the scissors so that she can stab this guy in the back. And it, it takes you know a while for her to finally get the scissors, but it's like in, in 3D, it felt like the scissors were in your lap and you, you're reaching for them and like want to hand it to her. It was a brilliantly uh, shot scene for 3D. And unfortunately, the flat version of it, the 2D version, doesn't quite uh, feel as impactful. But that was uh, one of Hitchcock's excellent movies. You ever see it, Tooch? Dial in for murder? I haven't. I don't think I have. I mean, well, I, yeah, I don't think I have. I know. Are you a Hitchcock fan? Yeah. Loves, loves, I've seen a lot of them, you know, like North by Northwest, The Birds, Vertigo. Oh, excellent. excellent. Yeah. You're not I a like, fan. Rear Window. I like North by Northwest. I, I did dig that. It was very much like a, like you can tell James Bond kind of came from that, I think. You know, sort of gave birth to James uh, James Bond movies. But I, I thought it was excellent. But I, I can't dig uh, the 3D. 3D movies hurt my eyes. I literally, it pains my eyes to watch a 3D film. When was the last time you saw one? One of the Saw films in like 2008 or nine, I saw at the theater with the mm -hmm. glasses on and shit. I ended up taking the glasses off. It just, it ruined the whole experience. I was like, I just wish I just saw this in 2D. It's a crumble just quit on me. Just all of a sudden evaporate. You and Chrome just do not get along. I don't know Retro what's going says, on. Retro says that I get the, uh, Confused Dial M murder for Dial S and M for a good time. <laughs> you know, one more thing about Cujo, real quick, if you don't mind me going back. Uh, my grandmother was one of these ladies that would read books incessantly, could read a whole novel within a day. And I'm a much slower reader than that, you know, because I want to read the same page over and over and make sure I in ingest it correctly. 
but mm-hmm. she was a speed reader, man. And we we're watching that, that Cujo again. I was a kid and she had all the Stephen King books and she was so pissed off. She's like, oh, this ruins the whole movie. This is bullshit. When the kid, he dies in the book, according to my grandma, I never read the book, but mm-hmm. in the film, he's not breathing for like five minutes and then suddenly he's okay. She's like, ah, oh, this is bullshit. The kid dies. This ruins the whole movie. This isn't realistic. She was sitting there yelling about the kid not dying. <laughs> See, that's interesting. I that, Again, I took a college course on that. Is What responsibility does the filmmaker have to the author when he's making a, a movie based on the author's book? And so the consensus in the class is it's a totally different medium, you know? And so the book is the book. If you're going to make a, a movie based on a book, you have no obligation at all to the filmmaker to make it like the book because the book is a book. That's a different medium. Make the best movie uh, inspired by that book that you want and, and that you can do. And so I disagree with your grandma. This conversation is interesting because I think we've talked about this on air before, but uh, Quentin Tarantino and Oliver Stone hate each other because Tarantino brought or sold his screenplay of Natural Born Killers to mm. Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone said the initial screenplay was violence to be violence. So he mm-hmm. twisted it around to where it was these kids going through childhood trauma and they get, he's like, you know, the media glorifies things like this, like Lorena Bobbitt and OJ and uh, the Menendez brothers and Tanya Harding. So the, the media would make them stars. So it's sort of like a, a jab at the media. It's, it's, it's sort of, you know, satire. Yeah. And for some reason it rubs Quentin Tarantino the wrong way. But Oliver Stone said, I bought your screenplay. So it's my, it's my movie now. And these two guys still hate each other to this wow. day. Like Oliver Stone was like shitting on Pulp Fiction, which I love Pulp Fiction too. And I heard uh, Tarantino claim that he watched Natural Born Killers at the theater, and he he says that even Juliette Lewis, who was allegedly with him, hated the film when they walked out of it. And she said it was bullshit. A two wow. <laughs> yeah, that is the uh, acting debut uh, before. Is that before or after the porn career? That was before <laughs> the porn career. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you did, weren't you in the? Uh, the uh, porn parody of Natural Born Killers too. Uh, I wish natural uh, <laughs> natural semen in, in, in her belly. Natural born sodomizers. Uh, <laughs> there you go. That's better. <laughs> uh, Zach put together a list of uh, Stephen King movies. Misery, absolutely excellent movie. You saw that? Anybody disagree that it's a great movie? I think it's okay. I, I like Which the Dead one? Zone a lot more than Misery. I misery love was the great. Yeah, the Christopher Walken film is outstanding. Love it. Love it. Love the way it's a Cronenberg movie. Love the way it was shot. Love the storytelling. Love the the climactic scene with Martin Sheen blowing his, I won't say anything else. Uh, For those who haven't seen it, uh, Cujo, we've talked about Carrie. That's a movie that some people love it and some people hate it. What do you guys say? I like the remake and the original. I like the De Palma version better, but they did a remake with... uh, God, what's the lady's name? She was, Grace, she played, uh, you, you uh, remember Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal, she played Claire Reese instead of Jodie Foster. She's got long Claire, red hair. Claire, oh, uh, you're talking about uh, uh, Maureen she's, O'Connor? She's a big actress herself. Yeah. Uh, fuck, what's her name, man? She uh, was, she uh, was in, 
Uh, she was She's in, in Boogie uh, Nights. She's in Boogie, Boogie Nights, Nights for one. I was just going to say that, yeah. So, uh, yeah, but I don't remember her name, but but she's well, a good I, I got to look it up. I got to look it up. But, yeah, she played Carrie's mom in, in the, the remake. Yeah, I, I thought they were both good. The, I, you know how De Palma's big thing, at, at least in most of the movies I've seen, he, he does it in a lot of his films where he splits the screen and kind of mm-hmm. shows like, like you and Toots right now. But he does that within the context of the film to show like tension and stuff. Uh, so the way when everything goes down at the prom in the '76 version with the split yeah, screen that. and shit, I think is really cool and better than the new one. Uh, Julianne Moore is her name. That's her. Excellent yep. actress. Yeah, Excellent. she's good in her own merit. But the '13 version was pretty good too for a remake. But the '76 version is better in my opinion. I'll have to check it out. Christine was an excellent movie with Keith Gordon in the lead yeah, role. I just didn't like the ending. Like he suddenly just kind of fell out of the car and he was dead. It was sort of anticlimactic, yeah. but I still liked the the movie though. I agree with you. Uh, Stand by me, another Classic. excellent uh, good film movie directed by excellent Carl film. Reiner. Uh, Dan Aguirre has not seen was it Shawshank. Carl Reiner or Rob Reiner it was Rob Reiner though, right? Rob Reiner, the younger Rob one. Reiner, I, I, I get yeah. them fucked up. Uh, Dan Aguirre has still classic. not seen Shawshank. Oh, no. what, what a, All-time classic. I didn't watch The Green Mile either. That was also Why? really good. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I don't I don't like a lot of Tom Hanks' serious films, like I guess. And that I just kept seeing that guy point at Tom Hanks in the trailer. I was like, this doesn't look like something I want to watch. Well, I, I, I the Green Mile is is okay. It's not great. Shawshank is top 10 movie of all time it sounds like a western to me yeah but it's not it's It's a jail jail all right maybe i would watch it i'm just saying i've never seen it though i've never watched the stand either that i I saw the for tv movie i I didn't watch it i saw the original tv series back in the 70s 80s i don't know when it was but uh, i have not seen anything recent understand I would we need a real adaption of Dark Tower. There was a I have recent, not read the, there a recent one. It was it was awful. The recent one. Yeah, that's what Zach is the saying. Stand, the yeah, one. yeah. Uh, I didn't I didn't get into it, but that he's leaving off the mist. That was a great movie. The mist. Stephen King with, with one Thomas of the most Jane. controversial endings in yeah. movie history. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't see that one either. They changed the surprise ending uh, from the book. You know, mm-hmm. with uh, Ed, if that's Frank Darabont who did The Walking Dead, but uh, the mist, you know, he he changed the ending a little bit, like carried the book ending a little bit farther. Okay, ending. You know, yeah. a, a yeah. shit film that Stephen King endorsed and said it was great was that made-for-TV version of The Shining in like 1997. Yeah. Oh, it was so bad. It was like Rebecca hates- Demore. He hates the Kubrick movie, but he loved yeah. the TV movie. I, the, Steven, the TV movie is Rebecca De Mornay, who I loved yeah. in Risky Business. She's playing Shelley Duvall's character, and I hated how they, because like Shelley Duvall does such a great job of being incredibly terrified of Jack Nicholson, and she should mm. be. Yeah, she's a hundred and two pound woman, and he's a, he's basically possessed by ghosts to want to kill her, and. Why wouldn't she be afraid? But by the time the next shining thing comes out, they're like, oh, this is the 90s and 90s women. Don't, they stand up to domestic violence. So it's like she's like taunting Nicholson's character, who was played by the fucker from that show Wings, if you remember. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It was one, wasn't sure it one of, one of the guys from Wings? 
it yeah. just sucks <laughs> so badly. And like instead of the axe, he has a pool cue or something. Or a croquet thing, whatever you hit croquet balls with. It just sucks so horribly. Someone just a mentioned Doctor someone mentioned Doctor Sleep. I've said this a thousand Doctor Sleep is fucking phenomenal. Yeah, like four stars, yeah. great. Fantastic. The, I agree. It, it was it. very good. Yeah. Um, by the way, Omar Barrio says that uh, the phones must be listening to him because oh, yeah. he's yep. seen clips of Jim Everett flipping <laughs> Rome's desk. Oh my god. <laughs> I, that was right when ESPN2 came into existence yeah. and the talk show was called Talk 2, which was a pun, you know, but still with the number yeah. 2. Uh, and I, I watched that the, the day it aired the first time. It was just unfucking believable. Even at the time, ever my friends were saying that like Everett, that must have been staged with he and Jim Rome. But it, from all indications, it wasn't. It was not. It was not staged. So, uh, Omar Barrios, we're going to do your favor. Favor. We're going to start talking about porn movies so that can sh show up on your uh, Facebook <laughs> news feed. <laughs> hey, uh, Omar, gay porn. Gay <laughs> porn. <laughs> Man takes it up the ass. My first cock in my mouth in my ass. I love jizz. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. No, of course not. Uh, you ever watch any gay porn, uh, Dan? And all your sexual? Uh, you, you know me. I, I dig. I dig. Uh, I dig gay porn. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not really. I, uh, no, if you consider lesbian porn, if you consider that gay porn, I, I kind of oh. dig that, especially yeah. in my youth. For some mm -hmm. reason in my youth, I really like lesbian porn more than it's so weird as I've gotten older. I think I've watched porn when I was young as like a voyeur, like mm -hmm. it was like I was watching someone else. But as I got older, I started like the man woman porn more because I was pretending I was the guy. <laughs> but when I was young, I just watched it like it was two women that I hadn't seen that I didn't mm -hmm. know. You know, so I liked a, a lot of lesbian porn early on, but now I kind of watch it from the POV perspective as a guy. One of the great Hollywood uh, lesbian scenes is from the movie Bound with Gina oh, Gershon yeah. and um, uh, Tilly. Jennifer, 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 Jennifer Tilly. Tilly. Oh, that scene is so fucking hot. I remember watching it in the theater and getting an erection and every time it's on now I, I stop to, to hopefully catch that scene again. It is so fucking hot. So, Did you see the movie where I think you did. Uh, I watched it recently. I didn't like. I watched it in twenty two. Like I missed it somehow, and it was new. Where Matthew McConaughey is making her suck a chicken wing, like he's holding it like it's his dick. Joe, yeah, Killer Joe, Killer Joe. It, yes, yes, it's yes. Directed by William Friedkin. That's right. That's right. And he's making her blow a, a piece of chicken, which sounds ridiculous, but he's got it down like it's his dick, and he's making her spit on it and choke on it, and it's. It's a really controversial scene, you know? Very. And uh, it's, I found it a tough movie to sit through, but rewarding at the end. I said, you know what? I wasn't that bad. Freakin' is uh, is a fantastic filmmaker, even though some of his movies don't quite work sometimes. But uh, definitely The French Connection and The Exorcist oh. are two of his best And films. And the one with Pacino that everybody to hates. Live and die in L.A. too. Oh, yeah, that's great. Cruising? I liked, I liked Cruising. I liked it. I didn't... I think maybe it should have been a two-hour movie instead of like hour and forty. Like it felt abruptly ending. The mm -hmm. ending felt too like rushed. But and I, I guess like I think I said this before. 
it's it's an imp implication no, that Pacino was the killer, right? No man. Yes. <laughs> no man says that the VR virtual reality <laughs> porn thing is going to turn Dan Aguirre into no, a rapist. No, no, I like I like women better, just like right there with my own dick. But uh, uh, <laughs> but isn't it the implication that Pacino's the murderer on Cruising? Uh, yes, that is because it's not it's not closed ended. It's an open ended thing. Like you kind of have right. to interpret it for yourself. That's that was my interpretation of it. I, I I remember seeing that movie at the Carnegie Theater on Rush Street in downtown and being surrounded by gay men and um, um, and I think I went home with one of them that night. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, did you see that Scorsese's making a film that's supposed to drop this year? I think with DiCaprio and De Niro, but it's a western. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm dying. I, I I love Scorsese. I'll see anything that he's done. Although I have missed a couple of movies, like The Last Temptation of Christ. I have yeah, it I on disc. Uh, you on never disc. saw it. I still have not seen yeah, it. That was no. great. Is it? Is it? Yeah, it's killer. Killer. It's Last Temptation yeah. of Christ. Killer. It's uh, it's it's very uh, interesting. <laughs> the when Jesus take on fucking the passes away, that's my favorite part. No, it's, uh, it, it's, di it's different, man. It's like, uh, you, got, you have to see it. That's Martin Scorsese, man, his take on, on it. You know, what if this, you know, poses a lot of questions. Yeah, good, I, uh, I want to see that. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't see that or Mel Gibson's film either. Yeah, I bought that. I don't know why I bought it. Uh, it's From what I've heard, it's two hours of just crucifixion scenes of, you know, really, yeah, really harsh. nasty yeah, so I don't know why. And that's when Mel Gibson yeah, like turned from like Mel Gibson, oh, the cool dude from Lethal Weapon to anti-Semite crazy out of his fucking mind, Mel Gibson. Yeah, he is apparently his dad infused all these thoughts about uh Christianity and and, you know, anti-Semitism. So, um I'm and it's too bad because uh Mel Gibson has made some really outstanding movies. The Mad Max movies? I did not made, like that. I did not what? like Mad Max. I know, Why? I know. Yeah, Mad Max right had no fucking plot. I couldn't understand the accent. I just didn't like it. I I did see that one with Tina Turner as a kid. I didn't like it either. That uh, one Beyond was Thunderdome. The first yeah. one from like seventy nine. I watched in like two thousand twenty and had never watched it. I hated it. Yeah, uh, it, it, it that one is dated. The the follow up, The Road Warrior, is an outstanding I didn't see that fucking yeah, picture. That's the one of all the Mad Max movies. That's the one to watch. Road Warrior is great. The the last version of, uh, of the Mad Max, uh, Mel Gibson wasn't in it, yeah, uh, but Tom Hardy director. and Charlize Theon. Yes. On, that yeah. that is a fucking masterpiece. Yeah, I totally. am telling wow. you. It, you haven't it seen is, Fury I mean, Road, Dan? What is it? Fury Road. I, I didn't Fury see. Road. You have to see yeah. that man. It's brilliant. The 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 filmmaking, the car stunts. Everything, the story, it was really great, man. I was fucking blown yeah. away. I saw it in the theater, and I said, holy fucking Some of shit. those stunts are fucking amazing. I, oh, fucking amazing. Holy like cow, that live is a stunt, movie. Man. Yeah, yeah. That, if you like action movie, movies. The last movie that I, and I think we talked about this on air, unfortunately. I don't want to keep repeating. The last movie that I watched, and it was recently where I felt, quote, unquote, blown away. It was like, wow, how did I miss this? Was that one with Ray Liotta and Jeff Daniels from like '86? Something what was wild. it called? Yeah, something yeah, wild. It really Jonathan was Zenny. something wild. Yeah, great yeah. fucking film. I don't know how I missed that. Classic. Yeah, an outstanding soundtrack. Uh, Ray Liotta plays a crazed killer who is trying to 
get his girlfriend back, played by Melanie Griffith, very sexy back yeah. then. Jeff Daniels plays the 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 kind of idiot uh, guy who uh, is trying to fight for her. It's really very well done. Again, with an outstanding soundtrack. Really good movie. Yeah, it was fantastic. If I like, that's the last time I said, "Wow!" I was kind of blown away by something. Zach Sullivan says, "Dan, stop watching depressing old bears games <laughs> and watch the Mad Max movies." <laughs> I love it. You, if Shane, if so Shane were here, if Shane were here from like five years ago, if this is hundred proof, that would be like the tweet of the night. Because I know we <laughs> did the, the the dumb tweets, but that's a good one. <laughs> Zach Solomon, that that, that's the good one. That's the good one. <laughs> that is a good one. Give this man um, a prize. Yeah, give him a prize. Filmmaker uh, for Mad Max movies was George Miller, the Australian director. Yes, he's great. And, and let me tell you yeah. something about George Miller. And I, I told this to Dan Aguirre before, and he was like, what? He made the, the first two Porky's movies, which are fucking fantastic. Especially... <laughs> Especially the second one, Porky goes to the to, to the big city, or whatever it's called. I, I know it Porky's sounds weird. The next day was the next one. Okay, I know it sounds stupid. I'm a movie about a fucking pig and stuff, but I'm yeah. telling you, this guy George Miller, he is a cinematic genius. He knows ba how is to it tell a story. Pig in the city is that this movie? Maybe pig in the city. That's what I, the city. I thought you were talking about the early '80s. Porky's movies. Uh, <laughs> no, I Porky's, <laughs> Porky's two, and Porky's Revenge. I just had a conversation about this. I saw Porky's and Porky's Revenge. I never watched part two though. No, Porky's is not cinematic. You didn't watch Babe or Babe Pig in the City. I didn't watch those. I forgot that was George Miller that did Babe. Yes, yeah. the guy. You know, a film that came out the same time that I didn't watch because it just looked bad, like Babe Pig in the City. Was the Indian in the cupboard? <laughs> I didn't watch that either. <laughs> they came out at the same time. Or how to make an American quilt? These are some movies that just like ah, I don't want to watch those. <laughs> Zach, that's not true. Dog the bounty hunter is not the kid. I refuse to believe. I, I think the uh, because it was shot in Australia. That's why I don't think that's true. But uh, the but damn... I, the, the the likeness is there. Did Dan it. ever see the notebook? I have not, but I have it because my mom, my mom loved that and like kept yeah. telling me I needed to watch it. And in her memory, one day I'm going to watch the notebook. Cause I, I was like, I was so, I was, I don't want to watch this. This is going to suck. I had to watch. It. I was like, this is fine. I was like, got a little cry. You know, I was like, this is great. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. a, it's a good movie. My wife, had and it on Rachel McAdams, man, is so hot. That that's the thing, you know. There are certain actresses yeah, uh, so and actors too, but certain actresses yeah. all of a sudden take a, a a C movie to a B movie or a B movie to an A movie yeah. just because of their persona, because of their yeah. acting, and just because they're so goddamn great to look at. And Rachel McAdams is one of those actresses oh for me. Gosh. She does it every time. When she was in so the second cute. season of True Detective, I love yeah, that season. Was, Nobody else likes it but me. I, like I that loved one it. That was a great season. I like that too, They're especially all because all of her. Were good, really. Yeah, Colin Farrell and uh, and uh, Vince Vaughn were in it. It was yeah. phenomenal. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Taylor Kitsch. Yeah, Taylor that, that was a great season. Everyone shits on it, like the critics, and they're like, "Oh, season three got it back on track because two was so bad." I thought two was great. It was good, man. Mm -hmm. I, unfortunately, I got to go, but and not what? to make this. I got to go to work, but not to make this last sec a section about me. But I got to ask you. Again, you're still cool getting me at the airport, even though it's so early. Hell yeah! 
Because again, I leave six my time, which puts me eight my time, or you know, seven forty-five, whatever. Uh, your time, though. Wait a minute. Well, hold on. Let me get this. It's a two-hour flight, so I'm supposed to land at eight my time, but it's going to be like seven your time. So, well, that's I, early, I take, man. I pick up my wife earlier than that at the airport. That's not that's okay. Not a big All right. Thing. Hopefully, I won't get lost in O'Hare trying to find you this time. <laughs> that, that would help. The last time he's at O'Hare, he he's he he's on United, which is always Terminal One. Terminal and One. Yep. All of a sudden, I'm picking him up at Terminal Three, but then he tells me, "No, it's not Terminal Three; it's Terminal Two. So I'm fucking going around. So there. when I get off the plane, I should just stay where I'm at and go downstairs, right? Go yes, go to bag, baggage baggage yes. and go straight and downstairs. Know, yeah, even yeah, though you I don't have bags. Right, exactly. So yep. just go, go, out, to go out one of the gate, one out one of the doors, and tell Aldo which is it A, B, C, D, E, F, or G. And Aldo okay. will just zip up in front. You have to cross over the limo or tax or uh, bus lane, and then wait yep. on the little island for the cars. Well, I'm looking forward to it, and I gotta go, John. The best wishes to your family. Thank and Aldo, yep. I can't wait to see you Saturday. And and Nomad's listening, and I hope the other Dan is. I can't wait to work with you guys next week. All right, all right, brother. All right, Are you all be well? You too, man. Dan Aguirre, he is going to his other job at uh, 911. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Shorty's dropped by. <laughs> there he He's is. excited to be a part of the show. <laughs> um, I want to – what was I looking for here? Oh, shit. Uh, I'm, I'm under so much stress, Aldo, because my, my wife uh, – you know, went went home know, of I'm course so again. But yeah, it's like tell people what happened. I'm like all the things that my wife does here. I'm like, God damn it, I gotta do this too. You know, it's like I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm like Mr. Mom. My, my my wife's mom passed away uh, on New Year's Sorry, Day. Man. So uh my mother in law and uh really glad that we did go home and, and got to spend some quality time with her before uh, she mm -hmm. passed. And like I, I told you before I left, my wife thought it would be the last time, you know, she saw her mom, so uh, and then we were thinking, how gosh, old, uh, how old she just turned 77. Yeah. Still young. So, yeah. And, uh, for, for a short time, we were like, uh, my wife was like, um, well, I don't know if I, we can afford to go for me to go back. Like, yeah. We have to, you have to go back to your mom's funeral, you know, like, well, we can't all go back of course, because that would be, you know, yeah. if we were just there, you know, the girl, yeah, they right. Miss, sure. They would miss another, like I said, it's a super long you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's the better part of three days to get there, you know, for the most part. So yeah. uh, we went and she'll be gone for, she'll be back on the 14th or 15th. But I'll tell mm -hmm. you, like la last night, you know, she got, arranged everything and got a uh, chip of flying out of Omaha, which is about two hours from Des Moines. And mm -hmm. uh, I took her to the bus station really late at night. <laughs> The Des Moines bus station. I tell you, yeah. I was I was a little scared. Leaving her there. Like, <laughs> not, the, not the best crowd. No, huh? <laughs> yeah, a little rough. You know, a lot of like, homeless people about, and drug addicts, yeah, maybe. Just, uh, <laughs> just uh, some rough characters, you know, going to Chicago or Omaha, wherever they're going, you know. Uh, uh, and uh, I put put her bags in the bus. I'm like, just get on the bus, don't linger around, around exactly. the station, you know. So, but exactly, uh, Omaha to San Fran, San Fran to Hong Kong, or San Fran to Taipei, Taipei mm -hmm. to Hong Kong, Hong Kong to Middle. So she's got quite a. A journey but less stops on the way back so i will yeah uh go i'll pick her up in omaha in a couple weeks mm. yeah. well uh, god bless uh 
your mother-in-law and, and your wife t- taking down that arduous trip to give her respects and uh, yeah, from all of we us. We just got back, all though. <laughs> we got back yeah, two weeks right. ago. You know? Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Re- Renewable says it. Great greyhound equals salt of the earth, man. I've, I've <laughs> ridden some greyhounds too, man. When I came yeah, to Chicago, so, uh, it was on yeah, Omaha was rough too. The bus station in Omaha was a little rough too. You know, oh I was God. like, next time I'm gonna maybe we'll just fly you out of Des Moines to Omaha. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So how's yeah. uh, how's the uh, gambling going? Uh, what happened yesterday with with yesterday. the football game? Not not that it, it not that it's so, important, but those yeah. people who bet on yesterday's Monday night football game, what, what happens with that? You know what? I it looks like DraftKings refunded me for the. Okay. For the bets I placed on the game, you know, I had the Bengals. Uh, let me mm-hmm. see. So, yeah, it looks like they've refunded my money. So, uh, but uh, for a while, I was like, man, they're not going to do it. What the heck, man? If they don't play this thing, you know, what the hell? But uh, to, yesterday, I got to say, like, yesterday was my first sweep. 8 0 oh. yesterday. Wow, Tooch, that's awesome, brother. Yeah, it looks like today I'll be seven and three, so 15 and three the past two days. So, that uh, is awesome. Yep, Bellissimo's in the house. He says, Tooch knows uh, what the stocks are like in uh, the ancient capital of Mercia at Tamworth Castle. Can I tell the story, please? So, um, this was I went to we went I went to visit uh Bellissimo, and uh, this was I was picking up my wife to move her to the United States because she lived near Bellissimo. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, George did a ton of stuff for us, man. He like drove us everywhere, helped carry our bags, uh, you know, uh, loaded his car with every single bag of like five, six suitcases of my wife's, drove us, you know, uh, to the airport, nice. all this stuff. He took me on a tour of uh, his hometown. We had went to his favorite chip shop. Uh, it was great, man. It was a blast. I had a, had a blast. Uh, yeah, it used to be the... Tamworth was the uh, capital of uh, uh, the United Kingdom at one time. <laughs> Georgie, <laughs> now he took uh, he he did so much, man. It's like not that, but George is like big and he's like really strong. He was like, like lifting these giant bags over his head. <laughs> yeah, uh, how, how tall yeah, is uh, George Berlissimo? Uh, what, six two. It's about six one, six two. I would say six foot. Yeah, he played defensive yeah. line, right? Didn't he play yep. defensive line? Yeah, he took me to uh, to a Birmingham uh, Blues uh, soccer game. We had a blast. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. about six foot one. Yep. Nice. Yeah. By the way, Nomad says that um, when he was last time he was at the Greyhound, somebody stole his hot wings when he was asleep, and he made the motherfucker slot the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Nomad. <laughs> that is good. But yeah, so, I, I'm like I'm like scared to death. I got the two toddlers by myself for like 12 days. I'm like, yeah, these kids. I'm like, I'm afraid they're gonna murder me in my sleep, Aldo. <laughs> <laughs> They need everything. They're like, you know, they're, they're just like, I need this. Can you make this for me? Too? Yeah. Have, uh, by the way, have you seen any any other uh, films that you wanted to talk about? Uh, you know, uh, you know who Walter Hill is. Of course, the, the great Walter Hill. Did like, yeah, Forty Eight Hours, Warriors. He's got Warriors. a new movie out. I, I I can't remember the name of the movie, unfortunately, but it's got uh, Christoph Waltz and Willem Dafoe. It's a western. And it's like it's like made in the style of a classic 60s, 70s western. It's really mm-hmm. it's it's not the greatest movie, but it'll it's fucking entertaining. You know? Dead for a dollar. 
Dead for a Dollar. Yep, I just yes. saw that. My wife loves Western, so we watched that one. Uh, Emily the Criminal was another one that we just watched. Before you move on from Walter Hill, let me also yeah. – you, you mentioned The Warriors. He also yeah. did 40, 48 Hours. So you many great that. movies. Yeah. In, in 1978, he did a, a great uh, action film called The Driver, uh, which yep. was excellent. And then a, a movie that is underrated, and I would love for people to see this so that I can talk to them about it. Southern it seems like Comfort. Nobody, it seems like nobody has seen uh, this movie, uh, and the title of it is Streets of Fire, uh, Streets of which Fire, is a yeah. rock yeah. rock and roll drama. It's, it's a classic story where this rock and roll singer is abducted by a gang, and her ex-boyfriend reluctantly goes on to save her. It's got great music. It's got great visuals. It's got over-the-top acting, which I think turned off some people, which is why it was a box office box office flop. But yeah. I fucking love the movie. Love it. Yeah, it was a little bit outside his comfort zone, you know? But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think Southern Comfort was his movie too, which is kind of like a, yeah. a, yeah. a rehash of uh, a Deliverance with soldiers mm -hmm. in, the, in the bayous of Louisiana. Yep. He was of that school with uh, John Carpenter. Those guys came yeah. out around the same time, and they made yep. some some Brian De Palma, all, all around that time, 70s, 80s. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Bellissimo has a good yeah. one, History of Violence. Uh, that, yeah. Is that Walter Hill, or, or was that Cronenberg? I think it was Cronenberg. I, th I think it's Cronenberg. Yeah, who, he, he uses Viggo Mortensen in a lot of his movies. Mm-hmm, yep. You know? yeah. Exactly History right. History of Violence uh, is great. And it's a fantastic movie. Yeah. Highly recommended. And Zach is right that... Uh, uh, Streets of Fire is a bit like Eddie the Cruiser's type. Uh, in fact, yeah, it's the same actor that played Eddie, uh, uh, the lead singer in Eddie the Cruiser's. It's the same actor in Streets of Fire, Michael Perry, I believe his name is. But uh, check it out, yeah. and then we'll Michael be Michael Perry, next week. You're right? Yeah, Perry. Excuse yeah. me. <laughs> Ghosts of Mars is John Carpenter, also a good movie that Renewables got. Yeah, that's one that I've got the disc and I've never put yeah. in. I've Ice Ice Cube. Ice Cube is, is in there. Ice Cube, yep, and uh, oh. I forgot who else is in that one. Wow, Ghost. Yeah, I've got so many fucking DVDs that are still in the fucking cellophane, man. I have not opened them up a lot. <laughs> a lot I've given away just because I know I'm probably never going to get to them. But yeah, uh, I uh, I gave out a free play tonight. Looks like that will win. It's the what uh, you got. Tampa Bay Lightning minus one and a half versus the Blackhawks. Oh. The Blackhawks have lost against the puck line. This will be 13 in a row. They've lost by, by That's more a than good one bet. goal. But, but That's a good I was bet. Like, I've been on the bandwagon for that one for a, for a short while. Came in a little late, but uh, mm -hmm. I had that free play. And uh, yeah, I didn't really talk to you guys about the game, uh, Monday Night Football game last night and stuff. But yeah, what'd you think? Uh, uh, you know, I mean, uh, my first thought is that the NFL took a little bit long to cancel the game. You know, it was up to the, I thought it was great that the coaches got together and said, you know, we're not playing this game, mm -hmm. send the players to the locker room, which was great. And, uh, uh, the, uh, the NFL offices and whoever is running the show there, uh, were unprepared for the situation where a player possibly died on the field and you think like all these years they'd have some sort of contingency plan just in case, because it is a dangerous game. You know, I think mm -hmm. that's definitely part of the appeal of, of football is the violence, you know, For sure. and uh, uh, what 
should arise, what could and what should arise is uh, uh, some sort of uh, modification of the equipment to protect the uh, sternum chest area where, you know, an uh, 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 injury like that could happen again, you know, to protect from mm -hmm. that. Well, I, I've done a lot of research into this too, Chin. So here's here's the deal. This is an anomaly. This is a one in a million thing that this would yeah. happen. Now, this this does happen, particularly among young yeah. kids. You get hit by a baseball, yep. a little league, right there in that moment. It happens and, in between the heartbeat. Yes, exactly. You know, when the heartbeat so it, it's contracts, like a nano it's of a second. Yeah. Uh, yep. Um, it, it's got to hit your that this one particular spot in a yep. nano of a second where that heartbeat it takes a, a, a little bounce. So yeah, we're, it's we're highly unusual that this happens. And so yep. I don't think that the NFL is to blame for this at all. In fact, they should take credit because they've got this emergency action program where medical officials, one hour before the game, they all introduce themselves to one another and to the officials, and they discuss, if this happens, I'm responsible for that. If that happens, my name is this, I'm responsible for that. So they got the plan, and that plan might have saved this guy's life yesterday. Now, to the issue that you're talking about, that it took them an hour plus to cancel the game, you are absolutely right. And the uh, announcer, Buck, said, yeah, they've told the players they got five minutes to warm up. Now the NFL is saying nobody nobody said that. They're denying yeah. that that information got to the ESPN booth. And today Joe Buck is saying, well, they're fucking bullshitting. We were told that uh, through the referee who is in contact with – they have a referee up in the booth to help them uh, ascertain calls. And he was the one that was told the players have been given five minutes to warm up. And so they're sticking to that story. So there's a big – controversy there and i don't believe the nfl uh because i i do believe it took them a while to decide to change uh uh cancel the game and you're absolutely right it was the players and the coaches who made that decision yes and that was the right decision absolutely you know, uh with 100 um but yeah it the heart has to be compressed so when it's hit you know and it, it doesn't come out of that compression you know mm -hmm. it just mm -hmm. kind of like you know, right. no more, no more uh, work. It disrupts the heartbeat. You mm -hmm. know, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a sad uh, and uh, the young man is still a chance for him to come out come out of this. I understand. Yes, the, what what happens is that that twenty four hour period. So it's about a little over twenty four hours now. Is is huge yeah. to see because they're now going to wean them off the ventilator. And so that's the key thing, because now they're going to test to see what his brain function is like. There is the possibility that he could live, but have some motor skill problems, memory problems and so forth. Because the question is, is how long was he deprived of oxygen? And if the longer you're deprived of oxygen, as most of us all know, worse it is for the old noggin. So that that's the next yeah. big hurdle for the young man. And yep. Bellissimo says, like NFL, like any other major corporation, is tone deaf, tone deaf, passionless, and devoid of humanity. But it's a fucking great game. You're right, Bellissimo. It is a great game. Yeah, it's my favorite sport. You know, to watch yeah, and you too. know talk about and whatever. You know, I uh, love basketball as well. Uh, but uh, uh, football is just you know, there's just it's something different about it. You know, it's just classic game. Yeah, and I was on the air with Nomad, and, and Nomad was visibly, although we can't see him, but you could hear in his voice, he was really shook up by that and, and shook up by, 
I think that, you know, uh, some of the comments uh, being made in social media and so forth, you know, about the game must go on and stuff. It was, it really rattled all of us, but especially Nomad who has played the game and, and, and knows what it's like uh, to see a, a fellow player, fellow athlete injured. It's a heavy duty stuff, something that I've never really experienced uh, in my playground playing days and in Sandlot playing days, uh, somebody to go through as, something as traumatic as that. I've seen people shot, but, but we weren't playing baseball or football. <laughs> so that's a different thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of uh, any other, you know, dangerous moments throughout the NFL history other than maybe yeah. like the Daryl Stingley hit, you know. That was huge. That was yeah. huge. I mean, totally paralyzed from the neck down. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the Chuck Hughes thing we talked about briefly earlier, he, the former mm -hmm. Detroit Lions player, who I thought for years was killed by Dick Butkus because the way I remembered it was Dick Butkus, a couple of plays later, really smashed the guy really bad. And then two plays later, the guy's running around, and he just collapses. And I thought – I bet you it was the Dick Butkus hit, and I kept saying that for many, many years later. And so about 10 years ago, I wrote an article about it and did all the research and found out that Chuck Hughes had a heart ailment that he had been complaining about for weeks. But the Lions, you know, took a cursory look at it and said, oh, you're fine. You know, it's uh, just probably tired and what have you. And uh, uh, his uh, Chuck Hughes' wife ended up suing the NFL and the, the Detroit Lions uh for negligence and, and she won a nice award on that. So you're right, uh, Berlissimo and everyone else that says the NFL is compassionless and uh, they have to be forced by the players union to take these safety precaution measures. And, and that's just the way it's always been. Not only NFL, but typically most uh, worker corporation relationships are that way. You, you need collective bargaining in order to get people to do the right thing. Unfortunately. Yeah. You know, just just to, to tie this all together with some of our past uh, discussions, uh, this is something that definitely uh, the owners and 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 uh, the league will be discussing in the off season without a doubt. You know, this oh, yeah. incident, and then uh, uh, perhaps we'll you know make some positive changes, whether it's equipment or uh, you know any other. I don't know what they could do rules wise, but. Uh, Perhaps, you know, maybe they will consider hiring and educating referees full time to deal with situations like this where, you know, a referee mm -hmm. knows, you know, we're going to do such and such a situation or whatever, you know, just, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, an extra safeguards at stadiums. You know, I know they have ambulances waiting by and all this stuff, but uh, uh, a little more education all around uh, just to tie it well, all together. Well, and I think, you know, taking this even further, it's what I worry about most um, is the high school football games and the college yeah. football games where they don't have that equipment. They don't yep. have the, the uh, what's it called, ACD, uh, automatic. Uh, yeah, the defibrillator. Yeah, they don't have a lot of these places, don't they? I went to a high school game when um, when Phil Otoshin was in town. Uh, Jim Larison took us to a high school football game, and I did see an ambulance there, and it was good to see because during that game I saw a kid get hit in the head, and he's fucking throwing up on the sidelines, but the ambulance guys were just like, they weren't fucking paying attention to the game. So that's, that's a whole issue. But, uh, you know, I worry about kids getting hit with a baseball in the chest, getting hit with a punch in the chest. And they don't have this equipment that the NFL teams have that have potentially saved 
uh, Damar Hamlin's life. That's the scary thing for me. Wouldn't want to see that uh, happen. Uh, yeah, and absolutely retro. You're right. Uh, Bellissimo's mom had myocardial fibrosis, and uh, he started, Bellissimo himself started CPR within 60 seconds, but she had already passed, and, and yep. he knew it. That's a very sad story. We had that with my daughter. It was two. She's choking to death on the hot dog. We had to do CPR. I remember that. I was super worried about how much time she spent without oxygen, you know? Yes. uh, Fortunately, you know, that was the worst day of my life, I think. I would probably say it was that that moment. Goodness. Well, the best day of of your life might be uh, yesterday and today. You're, what, 15 15 15 and three? 15 and three, yeah. So it's. Great start to uh, 2023. You know, I finally feel like I'm getting on top of the uh, uh, college basketball. And then college football, 4-0 yesterday. Mm. Uh, really felt great about that. And uh, took Penn State, you know, just watching the line movement, uh, late line movement and stuff. And, you know, going with, uh, you know, my, uh, my knowledge of the Penn State players and stuff. Thought uh, they would, you know, beat Utah in the Rose Bowl. And then uh, LSU had the team total over 35. They put up 63. <laughs> uh, Purdue. Purdue had nobody left, no coaches, no defense. I was like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if uh, LSU will beat them by 16 points, but I kind of like them to score more than 35 on that defense. Yes. That was it was nice. so embarrassing. They brought in uh, Drew Brees to be the assistant right. head coach. It's like, Jesus, they, they had no no inspiration from having Drew Brees on the sidelines. It was awful. Oh, my and God. And then uh, I had the, uh, the under in the Illinois-Mississippi State, Mississippi State minus three, which I got lucky on that one with the last-minute touchdown to, to mm-hmm. push it uh, oh, to get nice. the cover. So that was good, but. Fun yeah. times. Uh, are yeah. you on the air, uh, the barroom air, uh, Saturday with uh, weekend sports betting tips, or are you guys off this weekend? Yeah, we'll try and get back uh, this weekend. I just have had a lot going on. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> bet you have. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll try and get back. I talked to Sean and Anthony today and stuff. But, Great. Uh, Great, guys. The Weekend yep. Sports Betting Tips is uh, Tucci's gambling show. It's on weekends, and the best way to stay on top of that is to subscribe to the Barroom Network's YouTube channel. You'll get alerts whenever we are live. Uh, Tucci, anything else you want to cover before we pull the plug on this one? Um, Let me see. Uh, I did have another thing. Um, right. So uh, getting back to Bears talk. Um, mm mm-hmm. I'm struck by the fact that, uh, and I said in Bears State of Affairs, that there's been, you know, uh, against the Lions, we had, it was never more apparent that uh, the roster lacked, you know, depth, <laughs> lacked, you know, top-end talent and injury attrition, you know, especially on the mm-hmm. offensive line was, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, I mean, I'm not surprised after uh, reflecting on the game that the Lions blew us out because, we didn't have the horses for this game, you know, and seven mm-hmm. completions for Justin Fields. And I, I can see why people might be uh, not or hopping off the Justin Fields bandwagon. But, I mean, look, this, like we said before, this is his rookie season. I, mm-hmm. I still believe in the kid. I mean, he still had a 60-yard run where he was the fastest player on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just, uh, I'm not going to hop off yet, but I also came to, you know, sort of a thought that 
maybe we don't have the coaches to develop Justin Fields, you know, whether offensively or head coach or whatever. You know, that kind of that thought during the Lions game kind of crept into my head a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. just and then you know, I, I also mentioned we we've got a ton of work to do as we do every off season with holes to fill, and uh, yeah, definitely a trade back. And I, uh, you know, um, last show I said that uh, holding the number one overall pick would be, you know, a lot better than holding the number two overall pick. Number two overall pick is great, but with the number one overall pick, the Bears can pretty much control the flow of the draft. You know, with uh, demanding whatever. They're going to have, especially after those two quarterbacks, uh, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud had just amazing days, you know, mm-hmm. in the bowl games, their respective bowl, yeah. bowl games. That, that so, was good news for Bears fans. Absolutely. That was great news. So somebody, well, e- even if we have the, the number two pick, somebody's going to trade up for one of those two guys, whichever guy's left over uh, after mm-hmm. the first pick, you know. And uh, But, yeah, I would say uh, uh, definitely the Bears would should trade down, you know, out of the pick, you know, because I, I'm not – I would rather have, you know, a, a defense, a three technique like Brian Breezy or, or someone else, you know, uh, and extra picks than just Jalen Carter. That's mm-hmm. just me. But, yeah. uh, you know, and then uh, the Texas Tech edge rusher Tyree Wilson, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. he's back there, you know, we trade back and get get him. Uh, but, yeah, I'm with I'm with Bearlissimo. I want, I want more picks, you know. And I said, I think, I, did I get – I got a little slam for uh, the the price of the Chase Claypool pick. You know, I just yeah, I didn't think it was worth it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. but I, I understand that like we're we were betting against or we're bidding against Green Bay. You know, for that's the rumor. I don't know whether it's exactly. true or not. But no, I believe it's true. Yeah. yeah, we were bidding against Green Bay, and you know, in my opinion, when you're when you're in a situation like that, it's really a uh, it's really a no win situation. You know. Because you you know you're damned if you do if you're damned if you don't, but mm-hmm. for me I I, I think uh, uh, placing the uh, value on the pick a little bit more you know than on the on the player, but uh, that's just me. I, I maybe Chase Claypool will have a great year next year. I don't know. I hope so, and I think he's certainly capable of it. I'm glad to hear that he and Justin Fields are going to spend time together in the offseason working on their uh, chemistry together. That's huge uh, yep. when a quarterback and receiver do that. We saw how it paid dividends with Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields. It started uh, in Justin Fields' real rookie season uh, last year where they would stay after practice and work out together and stuff. And so if Claypool can get into that inner circle, that would give the Bears a good uh, two good wide receivers. I, I still think they need a number one true wide receiver if they can find that somehow somewhere in this draft because there really aren't a lot of options in free agency if they can find a gem in the second round uh that could develop into a number one wide receiver that would give them a really potent wide receiver group but the key is is protecting this quarterback and giving him time to throw and so they've got to spend the money and resources on bolstering the offensive and defensive line. You got to win the line of scrimmage, and that's a, probably the number one reason why this Bears team has has had this ten game losing streak. Is they lose the line yeah, of scrimmage? Is it ten or nine? Though? I think it's nine. Isn't it nine? Is it nine? I, I have, I I've lost nine. track, and I, yeah. I, I, it, it depresses me so much, man. It really does. Yeah, it's got me upset. Uh, I mean, what do, you, do you? Would you? Would you be? Like, 
upset that the Bears got the number one overall pick and were quote unquote the worst team in the NFL for 2022. Because to me, I, I wouldn't care. <laughs> Give me that no, they, overall pick. Right? They are the worst fucking team. Yeah, I think if the Texans and the Bears were to play Sunday, the Texans right. would probably win. I think you know, so too. Even though we beat yeah. them earlier in the season, we just don't. We are so injured, man. <laughs> injured, are. and then you trade away yeah. Roquan Smith, and, yeah. and then his replacement Sanborn gets hurt. They're not yeah. going to be a better team, that's for no. sure. Yeah. So, uh, Lisa was asking about. Yeah, Bellissimo yeah, was asking about Jalen Carter versus Ohio State. Were we? I got a couple thoughts about that game. I tell you. Georgia's defense looked pretty beatable, which surprised me because they are, are uh, supposedly, if not the best, one of the best defenses in college football. But I tell you, I, I think Ohio State would have won that game if Marvin Harrison Jr. didn't leave the game with the, uh, you know, during the, with the whatever uh, injury or knock uh, uh, shaken up. But uh, uh, that'd be a number one receiver right there, man. <laughs> if you get Marvin Harrison Jr., man, we'd be we'd be pretty pretty well off there, but. Yeah, I don't uh, think he's eligible. I, no. I don't think he's, uh, he's a junior. I mean, he's not. He is going back for his senior or okay. senior year. I think. Yeah. Gotcha. He's either a sophomore or junior. Okay. Yeah. So Nomad saying that he's been snooping around the Colts media, and he uh, can tell us that Kenny Moore could be certainly up for grabs. Uh, see, that's the thing too. Is what do you do if you're the GM? Are you going to trade draft picks for veteran players like you did with the Claypool thing? I mean, if you're going to trade more draft assets for veterans, you better fucking get a bigger return on investment than we're getting out of Claypool right now. Yeah, I, to me, it's not ideal trading draft picks for for uh, veterans. You know, that's the thing. I, uh, that's that's why I was kind of upset. No, that, but the, the second round pick is going to be like, you know, it's almost like a first round pick that we gave well, up no. to Claypool. Yeah. Well, yeah, right? but it doesn't belong to us, right? Yeah. Right. It, it doesn't. Belongs to not us. anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. It's uh, the Steelers are going to have a nice high, you know, top of the second round pick, if not right. the, t- the very 36, top. 37th, probably. Yeah. Not not Is even. It, probably 30, it's, 30, so, 33. It could be 33. Yeah, it could be 33 or 34. So, oh my God. which, you know, that that's a premier premium player. Mm-hmm. You know, you could get a nice offensive tackle for that. It's like, yes. yeah, or a, or a nice wide receiver, you know. Yeah. I uh, got to yeah, hit, man. Got to bring in some players. It's like that. Uh, someone said in the chat room. Chat, by the way, chat room has been awesome tonight, man. Yeah, just yeah, awesome. fire today. Someone said uh, Amari Cooper uh, was traded for a fifth round pick. I don't know whether that's true or not, but that's the kind of deal I would rather we made. You know? Yes. Yeah, Maybe I Amari think that Cooper was. Pick. I think that is uh, accurate. I think Cooper shit. was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we we need to find those bargain basement players, but also we need some legit superstars, some real blue chip yeah. players, um, and I, I, that's you know, what I'm the, afraid of. This game, the questions, you know, uh, aside from you know getting blown out, which you know was uh, not something we were expecting or, or hoped for the new year, but the questions arise. You know, uh, this game, you know, the question arise: Do we have the quarterback do we have the coaches you know uh do we have the gm to build a roster you know all these questions came up man because it was it was uh, the wheels came off last sunday (laughs) oh i'm i'm with you man i i'm with you it's so many needs and you have to you have to question ryan poles is whether he can get it done now 
I like his first uh, two draft picks with the Bears, uh, Brisker and Kyler Gordon. Would I have chosen those two guys if I was myself? Maybe not. I don't know. But uh, the the, the Valus Jones picks pick looks a lot better now than it did, you know, the first three quarters of the season. But it, was it really worthy of a third round? I don't think so. Uh, and so Braxton Jones is a nice pickup in the fifth round, but is he really a starter? You know, so there's a lot of question marks with Ryan Poles. His, his big free agent acquisition didn't work out, Larry Ogunjobi. So it's not like this guy has a track record of hitting on things, and so that's what scares me. We're going to go into the offseason, yeah. and he's got to have a better performance this offseason than he did in, in, in the previous offseasons. Lucas Patrick, that kind of didn't work out. I know it was injured and stuff, but, you know, uh, I don't know. It was, yeah, it, not, not. I, I have. I, I'm willing to give polls a little more time, but uh, I'm kind of on the Jordan Silvera side, where I, I'm not kind of uh, trending down for me with polls. But mm-hmm. we'll see. You know, yeah. his picks don't look that great. I mean, Brisker and Gordon, they're okay. They might be decent players, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. We needed so much. It's hard. It's hard to say either way. There's all every year. Although as Bears fans, you know, I know there's like more more holes to fill than picks or players available for the Bears. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Bellissimo says, how many players did the Bears sign on day one of official free agency? I hope. Better be that, a lot. <laughs> yeah, I hope that we 48 hours before the official open of free agency, I hope that there's news leaking out that the Chicago Bears are signing Deron Payne. Yeah. Um, and that's going to take care of the three tech. And so we don't have to worry about a high draft investment on the three tech. You'll, you'll want another defensive tackle in the draft, but we can consider that on day two or day three. Uh, so that's yeah. the one player right now that I'm targeting most in free agency is that three tech. And the, this Payne is really needs. a great question because I think after last off season, polls had the reputation of being like waiting for the second or third tier of guys. free agency. Yes. Do I have that right or wrong? I think it's no. Never- he he wanted bargain basement guys. Right, he wanted bargain basement guys. So uh, this is like a, a, a prescient question because you know this coming off season he better fucking get some, get some blue chip players, man. Or we're yes. in trouble again next year. We we'll allow season key. next year. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah. We need superstars. You can't win yeah. in the NFL. Draymond Jones have- would be good too, man. Yeah, he would be. Burley Smalls, uh, right. Deron Payne, Dexter Lawrence would be clutch. Yeah, Deron Payne would be awesome. Yes, indeed. Um, So a lot of work to do in the offseason. I'm excited by it. You know, this is, as a fan, you know, building the roster is, is, for me personally, is almost as much fun as watching the games. Uh, And given – the caliber of play that we've had this season, it should be a lot more fun than watching the games. <laughs> so it's going to be yeah. fun to see the, the the moves. It's going to be fun to read about the rumors. It's going to be fun to speculate on what the Bears should do. We're going to do all that and a lot more here on the Barroom Network. Dude, do you gamble on draft picks and like who might go in what round? Is that something that you, you would do? I wanted to, but Iowa doesn't allow it. So that's what uh, state law or something like gambling on uh, uh, college players, or, you know, not non-professional athletes. Oh. So some states have laws like that, you know, where you can't gamble. And some other states have, uh, like Connecticut, I think, is one of them, where you can't gamble on Connecticut's teams. 
wow. like University of Connecticut or whatever, you know, or I think New Jersey is the same way. You can't gamble on like Rutgers or, you know, mm-hmm. some of the other uh, Jersey schools. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I agree, Berlissimo. He's he, he's got to be uh, uh, excited, and you know, I mean, that did the thing is like do, they're not going to sit Justin Fields because he's so close to that record. You know, I, I don't think play. that means anything. I really don't. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think they're going to play him just for him to get that record. I, I, I don't think that's what this coaching staff is about. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. We'll, we'll see. Um, yeah, there is a chance that he might not play. Four yards. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he can do that on the first play of the game. <laughs> so yeah, he's done it before. Yeah. He had a he had a 105 yards before the first quarter was over. So <laughs> you know, he had 105 yards rushing. He had 160 yep. yard. Like I said, one sixty-yard run where he's the fastest player on the field. Right. You know. So, but the the thing about Sunday is, if you don't play Fields and you play Peterman, and the Vikings are playing to win because it, it will impact their seeding, they need to win the game. Yeah. So, how bad is that game going to be for the Bears? I mean, we could lose fifty to nothing. I mean, it could be that bad with Peterman in there. It would be atrocious. Yeah. I've seen well, I mean, the, the Vikings defense really isn't that good. Yeah, yeah, neither is Peterman. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fair, fair enough. But yeah, yeah. Uh, do I think? I mean, the 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 Vikings offense has got some real players, man. Justin, mm-hmm. probably the probably the best wide receiver in the NFL. A guy that Barrelissimo was all over, man. It's like he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was his favorite receiver coming out of that draft. He's like, he messaged me and said, "You need to take a look at this kid." Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, yep. uh, Justin Jefferson, you know, uh, fantastic player. Um, and then uh, uh, Dalvin Cook always has some big, has had some big games against the Bears in the past yeah. as well. Now they got TJ Hawkinson too. So, I mean, yeah. Adam Thielen always is a pain in the ass too for the Bears. So, yep. yep. They're, they're loaded offensively. There's no doubt about it. And they've improved their uh, pass blocking. Uh, and they're off their head, new head coach knows what the fuck he's doing. The defense has struggled. Um, and that's going to be their Achilles heel once they get into the playoffs. But that defense will not have a big problem, a big challenge against the Bears on Sunday, as yeah. uh, as, as much as I regret saying that. And uh, Berlissimo is right about the uh, Bears coaching staff, but it's not the senior bowl that the Bears coaching staff will be at. It will be the East-West Shrine Bowl game. Mm. Um, I I believe what they're doing now is that they're going to alternate. One year, uh, the Shrine Bowl will get an NFL, two NFL coaching staffs to coach the All-Stars, and then the next year they go to the senior bowl, and then on those off years, uh, they will put together a coaching staff based on coaches from – lots of different teams so that's the way they're going to do it. by the way uh teach uh a word from our sponsor oh you uh, you block, block, uh, block porn yeah <laughs> girls for xyz is trying to get us get us some free uh, advertising on bar room <laughs> yeah okay this is well, least says coaches, that, yeah, i'm sorry uh, the bears ahead, coaches ahead. will be in vegas when you're there yes that's okay, the, nice. that's the yeah. plan if they if they end Very up cool. uh, uh with the First or second worst record in the league. Yeah, they're they're the coaching yeah. staff that'll be Keyshawn Booty, another LSU receiver. Uh had some injury issues this year, but yeah, a real player. Mm. Oh, yeah. look at this. Um 
Amen, Amy and Bethany McDonald. A and B McDonald say Hub Arkish was on the score today. He says the Bears need to take a serious look at quarterback in the first round of the upcoming draft. Fields is a gadget guy. What do you think about that, Mr. Santucci? Uh, I think we'd be setting the franchise back a little bit if we're to take one of those guys. Man, if you're if you're grabbing a guy like uh, uh, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, it's really almost the same thing as Justin Fields. You know, Jeff Fields is a better runner. You know, mm-hmm. I just have to uh, – it, it sucks that we kind of are, are wondering. And I, I think Fields will figure it out, uh, you know, because like Nomad said, Ben, every team's looking for the next Justin Fields. So I think in this one, you, the smarter play would be to uh, get uh, – what you do is you, you get the draft picks for the top few quarterbacks. Then you come back and take, take a, a chance on a later round quarterback, maybe Max Duggan, a guy like a guy like Max Duggan on TCU just seems mm-hmm. to make play after play after play. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know uh, uh, how, uh, how, uh, uh, what, what your Max Duggan is. I know he's from, he's another Iowa uh, quarterback, but uh, I don't know what grade he's in. I don't know if he's, if he's entering the draft or what, but had a pretty good game against uh, Harbaugh. Right. Mm. Yep, so, it sure did. So what, a, what 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 if this is the deal, Tooch? What if the Seattle Seahawks call and say, "Listen, we've got the number three overall pick. Uh, we'll send that to you. We've got the number eighteen overall pick, or excuse me, nineteen overall pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll send that to you. So that's two first round draft picks from this year, and we'll send you a first round draft pick from the twenty twenty four draft for in Fields. exchange for Justin Fields. Do you pull the trigger? Man, that's Ooh, uh, he's sweating. <laughs> that is uh, that's a that's a very interesting, uh, <laughs> very interesting uh, uh, trade proposition. I don't know. I would think about it though. I would definitely think about it, man. Because <laughs> I mean, you go you use one of those top picks, you're gonna you're gonna get either Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, or Will Levis. You know. Yep, you're gonna get a a, a yeah. promising young quarterback, maybe. Uh, Cliff says no. Keep Fields. Uh, A and B McDonald says done deal. Triple exclamation point. Well, that's not triple. That's twenty exclamation points for A and B. It would be an interesting proposal. I doubt any team will want to do that. Uh, but that, if, if there isn't a team that would offer up three number one draft picks for Justin Fields, then maybe we do have the wrong quarterback for this team. Um, if he's going to be as good as we all hope he will be. Uh, we should be getting trade offers for him, don't you think? Well, I mean, yeah, I totally agree with you, and and that brings up the point I made in Bears State of Affairs is that I'm not sure we have the co- this is like I'm not sure we have the coaches to develop quarterbacks. You know, I don't think we ever have had any co- coaches in the history of the Bears staff that are like Andy Reid, you know, developing a quarterback. You know, mm-hmm. someone who who uh, understands uh, how to get the best out of. Uh, the quarterback position, you know, whether it's uh, what's his name, Sean McVay or Andy Reid or Zach Taylor, you know, those guys who understand, you know, look at what Zach, uh, what's his name, Sean McVay did with Baker Mayfield. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like they're on the scrap heap. You know, he goes and uh, is able to get, you know, Sean McVay is able to get something out of the quarterback, you know, just uh, I don't know if we have the offensive minds uh, that know how to, you know, to work with this kid. It's this guy did other. a pretty good yeah. job of, of developing quarterbacks. This guy here. <laughs> Mr. Shorty. 
Yeah, Mr. Shorty got a good deal out of Cutler Cutler and uh, his back in the cow. (laughs) Yeah, but Berlissimo makes a great point, though. He's going into year three of his contract. Yeah. You know, you'd be getting a guy in his first year of his contract. Because like like Dan always says, we wasted Justin Fields' first year with with, uh, fucking uh, uh, Nagy. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, uh, like I said, Nagy should have been gone a long time ago. He was he was fired one or two years too late, you know. Yeah. The damage was already done, you know. Yep. We got Fields, yeah. and uh, yeah, he didn't didn't want to play Fields. Right. If you're convinced that you don't have the right coach, whether it's the head coach, coordinators, or whatever, yeah. pull the fucking trigger now. Don't fucking wait and say, ah, oh, it's only one year and stuff. No, pull the trigger now. They're not going to do that because, uh, you know, it's Eberflus's first year. He, you know, they'll, they'll give him another year, which you know, maybe he should get another year. I don't know. You mm-hmm. know, I wanted Nagy gone after two years. You know, after one year, we're like, oh, wow, club dub, man. Look at that. We got 12 wins or whatever, whatever he was, 12 and four, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, 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 we're in that situation where maybe it's both. Maybe it's one or the other. Fields has got to figure out the passing game, whether it's the quick passing game to say he can't, you know, he's just not getting rid of the ball. We're not calling slants because he can't, can't handle the, the quick pass play, can't find the laces, whatever it is. You know, mm-hmm. or we don't have the coaches. You know, we always end up hiring defensive coaches. You know, we always yep. end up hiring defensive coordinators as coaches. And maybe and I'm not so sure that the modern NFL, the way the rules are, and the way it's a passing league now, and it's you know geared toward that. Is it, we should be hiring defensive coaches anymore? You know, we should be focused on offensive minds. Maybe uh, I know it didn't work out with Nagy, but we just picked the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. Very true. By the way, uh, A and B asked the question: Have we ever seen a Justin Fields passing highlight? Come on, A and B. Oh, have you yeah. been watching the games? Have Plen- you been plenty watching- of passing highlights this year? Yeah, he throws some nice balls this year. I mean, come on. I know you make, don't. Like- he can make all the throws. You know, right? I know you don't like him, but the guy has one of the best arms in the NFL. Here's yeah. a little taste. You probably missed this one, A and B. Look at this. Yeah. Play action pass, steps up in the pocket, p- perfect protection, throws it right there for Mooney, who makes a nice adjustment to the ball. That's the type of stuff that he has yeah. done. You should appreciate it. He's, he's thrown some nice sideline outs too, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, like Nomad says, man. It t- takes time. He's running a West Coast offense, which is – by reputation, yeah, the hardest offense to learn. In the NFL. Very, you know? very true. Very, very true. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm still a fan of Luke Getze. I, I'm not going to sit here and, and think that he has yeah. been infallible. I, I, I've yelled at the screen and, and, and tweeted out, does Getze really want to win because of the conservative nature of some of the play calls? That one game, what was it, two games ago when yeah. he uh, fields his – it was windy day, but he hits field, uh, uh, Valen Jones with a 44-yard pass. It was the only long pass they threw all day. And, you know, it's, and they were kept running when they were behind. So I guess he's made some mistakes. But, I, I, I man, even, even Greg Gabriel, who is very, very reluctant – very reluctant to criticize the Bears coaching staff. Even he said, I got to admit it, maybe I shouldn't say it publicly, but I wonder if the coaching staff is playing to lose. Greg Gabriel said this, and so I'm glad that he did because I've been saying it now for the last two, three weeks. There are ways to tank without officially tanking. It's like let's get a very conservative offensive play, uh, a game plan going, 
Let's not, you know, show all of our weapons. You know, we'll yep. show that next year. I think that's what's been happening. Let's play some guys who maybe shouldn't be playing. Uh, I mean, we know this stuff goes on in the NFL because of the Dolphins story mm-hmm. that broke. You know, hey, 100000 for, you know, whatever, losing, whatever it was with Brian Flores and Mark Ross. Is that his name? Stephen Ross? Stephen Ross, uh, I think, yeah. yeah. Whatever the owner of uh, the Dolphins' name is. We know the stuff goes on. I know it's a conspiracy theory. We can't really... But yeah, sure. It <laughs> There's happens. some things that make you scratch your head a little bit. Yeah. Yes, it happens. Yeah. I, I, and and you know, God bless him. I think you know if Ryan Poles has told the team, you know, take your foot off. Uh, take told the coaching staff, take your foot off the accelerator. You know, maybe maybe he isn't totally wrong because he knows. I think what a lot of us know, this team is so depleted of talent. Yeah. And the the, the fastest way is to you know get like a Herschel Walker trade or one of those trades where you get multiple draft picks for yep. multiple years. And, and that's the, that's the way you turn shit around. Uh, Berlismo had a thought about Getsy. He says he needs to empower fields to make audible calls. It's the only development left to make with fields that he could have without an improved roster. Uh, I don't know about that. There's other things, you know, we were talking about earlier, Berlismo about him getting rid of the ball earlier i i i would love to spend the time of looking at every one of the sacks justin fields has had he's at 55 so it would take me a lot of time but i bet you maybe half of those sacks were his fault uh because he held on to the ball too long and it's been a constant refrain by the coaching staff in the midweek coaching staff though they say that's one of justin fields's things that he needs to correct and justin himself said it after last week's game he holds on to the ball too long. And I think it's unfair a bit to the offensive line. Uh, so that's one of the things he's got to improve. And I, I'd love for him to play a Sunday against the Vikings and for me to walk away from that game and say, I am so proud of the way Justin Fields got rid of the ball so quickly, even if he had to throw it into the dirt on key plays. Um, that's what he needs to improve right now, and he can do that immediately and there's a lot of intangible things man first of all the, the kids is a f- tremendous athlete you know like oh, yeah. i said when he steps on the field he's one of the fastest players on the field mm-hmm. you know you, you, that's something you just can't coach it's his mm-hmm. natural ability and then uh he does have a good arm and the kid has got a great character great personality and uh uh you know he uh he wants to win you know he wants all, by all accounts he wants to win, and he's a hard worker. And you know that's that's more than half the battle with quarterbacks. You know you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta at least uh, give him a chance. But like you know we're we're going into his third year third year of his contract. So yep. you know next next year I, I don't know. I'll tell you one thing though. If uh, if the Bears stay put at number one and draft C.J. Stroud, like someone else is gonna be someone else. Justin Fields could be on another team next year. Fucking a. No. I mean, so, there's no way that you draft no. Stroud unless you make no. a draft day trade for Fields. I mean, yep. I mean, you don't want to come into the season with both of those guys. Right. Uh, no, that would that would not be smart, and would just slow the rebuilding process. Yep. And I get what Berlissimo is uh, saying. Austin Carter Samuels has said that it's impossible to make good decisions consistently in chaos and stress. Yep. He's not. He's a human, not a robot. It's literally impossible to divorce yourself from that. And that I, I, I totally get it. And I agree with you, Berlissimo, but I have seen it way too often where it is, it is, he's sometimes feels has that Jay Cutler mentality of, I want to 
make a big play. I'm going to look downfield. It's 31 to 10, so I'm, I want to throw it downfield as opposed to hitting the open guy who's four yards away. And so what happens? It's now second down and 17 as opposed to second down and six. And that's, you know, yeah. so I don't know. Uh, um, I can be proven wrong on this. And Nomad says to Chini, you goofy. <laughs> He loves you. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know, it's the third year of his uh, contract. You know, maybe uh, uh, the Bears want to start over with a quarterback. I, I don't know. They, I, I lo- I'm a huge Justin Fields fan, man. I love the kid. You know, but, yeah, me too. You know, yeah, it's, it's a different NFL than when we were kids, although, man. It's, Absolutely. It's, it's more business and it's more uh, a contract. How many years on the contract focus? How much money? You know, is invested in certain positions. How much uh, uh, money, uh, dead cap space? If you release this guy or change this guy out, whatever. You know, it's totally Indeed. different now. Indeed, uh, renewable wants to know what kind of a package. Pause. Uh, would yeah, it take that, for you to trade J- Justin Fields? Uh, man, I, I just, God damn, I'd have to think. I, you need two first round picks this year, and maybe a first round pick next year, a second round pick next year. I don't know. I, I my inclination would be to keep. Justin Fields because I I think uh, uh, every team like Nomad said every team's looking for the next Justin Fields and, and you know we haven't seen what he can do with a good offensive line and and a, a good wide receiver that he can depend on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at least Mo, you're right again. You know he needs wide receivers in order to throw yeah. it up and put yeah. it up. But you know what uh, we saw uh, in the the game that Nathan Peterman. Yeah played what did he do almost immediately he threw a deep ball to chase claypool and what happened in the press conference in the middle of the week when justin fields was asked did you learn anything from watching nathan peterman play he goes yeah one of the things i, le- I learned is that you got to throw it up there and let your players make plays he said it himself he said it himself this past week i'm holding on to the ball too long and i can't do that yeah. to the offensive line yeah the guys are getting in there a little quickly but i gotta do a better job so he's admitting his own faults and so I understand that the weapons aren't there, but they're, they're, Fields is also accountable for this. He's He's been a part of the problem, and I'm willing to let him slide because of the talent level he's got, because of the potential that he's got. And I love the guy. He's going to be great, but it's getting frustrating. It's it's We need to see some more signs. So Yeah, okay. like I said, this is it. This is, uh, you know, this is the cliff. We're on the edge, not Cliff Victoria. We're on the edge of the cliff. You know, like Mo's <laughs> right, though, man. If he had Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, you know, he'd be getting rid of the ball a lot faster. You know, yep. he doesn't have yep. an offensive line. He doesn't have any receivers. Darnell Mooney's been out for how long? Who's he throwing to? Byron Pringle? Yeah. You know? Byron. Yes, Pringle, exactly. Byron Pringle and Pettis. You know, Pettis. he's got nobody. He's got nobody. <laughs> Nikhil Harry and Chase Claypool have been injured for most of the season. No. <laughs> Like he doesn't have anybody to throw to, man. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, and I, and B says no good wide receiver is signing here. I, you know what? I got to disagree because I hear what these NFL players are saying about Justin Fields. They're fucking sucking his dick. This guy is great and so forth. And, yeah, and, so, and they're seeing what we're seeing, that he still has lapses in his game. But I think Justin Fields can attract free agents. I don't think he's going to repel – free agent wide receivers. I really don't. Um, yeah. uh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Fans yeah, lack no patience. What's new? You no got that right, again. Nomad. Fucking my wise, age, I got no patience. The wise Nomad. 
He is wise, which is yeah, one of the many reasons wise. he will be yeah. a part of this show starting next Tuesday. Yeah. He and Mr. Shorty will join John Santucci, Dan Aguirre, and myself in a newly titled show. So I, I better get to work yeah. on uh, graphics and all that stuff. Uh, it'll be a blast next Tuesday. Uh, yeah. Join us here at 8 o'clock. And then Dan and I will do our final show Saturday night right here from the Man Cave. Can the chat room name the starters or who played on the offensive line last week? Because I don't think I can. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't think I can. There's no Tevin Jenkins, right? Uh, you had Braxton Jones, who's I think has started every game. And then, mm-hmm. man, I I don't even – who was playing center? Was it Mustafer? It was know. Sam Mustafer. That's one thing about Sam Mustafer. He is an yeah. Iron Man. <laughs> you know? yeah, a, lot like, of people, a lot of people say that's good and bad. You know, <laughs> <laughs> some games. You could always count on Mustafer being there to fill in subpar. You know, subpar you know what would be interesting is to see uh, Dieter Iceland uh, play center uh, Sunday against the Vikings. I mean, yeah. like you said, the Vikings defense is not that great. Throw Dieter in there. You know, uh, yeah. I, I'm not sure you want him in there when Fields is in there. Just yeah, but he did play fairly well at guard uh, two weeks ago when he was in there for a dozen snaps. So uh, maybe it's time to take a look at Dieter and see how he fits in. (laughs) I'm a little worried that like the Bears like here's this is one of my fears is that like next weekend the Bears are trying to get Justin Fields the NFL rushing record, and uh, they like run all these plays, you know, uh, and then you know Fields goes out and stuff, you know, try and try. That's all they do is like call fields running plays you know that um, hopefully the vikings don't tee off on that you know and then they take him out for peterman you know after he gets the record you know but with this offensive line i don't think that's a good idea you know mm-hmm. yeah barelissimo's got the uh got the, the lineup Braxton Jones, Cody Whitehair on the left, uh, S'mores Mustafer at the center, Tevin Jenkins, uh, who only lasted uh, a couple of series, uh, Mike Schofield yeah. and Dieter Iceland at that right who guard. Was, that was who was playing last week, right? Yep. Is, is guys... Whitehair back? I thought Whitehair was injured. No, he, he started uh, Sunday. Did yeah. he? Okay. So yeah, Whitehair. He yeah, I mean, is there any one of these guys that could start on any other team? I don't think so. <laughs> um. A healthy Tev, Tevin Jenkins, yeah. yeah, maybe Tevin. That's it. But, but uh, this guy has missed a lot of games due to injury. I don't, not sure we should be counting on him. What do you think, huh. Tevin, Tevin Jenkins? I, I like Tevin Jenkins. I think he could be a, a, a good piece on the offensive line. But, but I'm talking I mean, about his injury history. Uh, he's missed oh. approximately fifty percent of the games he could have played in. He's missed because of injury. Doesn't that worry you? Um, a little bit, not, not too much though. I think, uh, hopefully the injuries are behind him. He's a player, man. He's a dude's, he's a, he's a stud, man. You can find guards everywhere, anywhere though, although, you know, mm-hmm. if we find yeah, a better one, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not a yeah. proponent of, uh, I, I'm not a proponent of that. You can find guards anywhere, but it usually takes them time to develop and you need cohesion and so forth it's not easy to find a good guard and you need excellent guards now because so much of the pressure on quarterbacks is coming up yeah, the middle comes up the middle but exactly. I'm, I'm saying if we can find one better than tevin then yeah right right um and i don't know i love tevin jenkins i mean when he's out there the, you got that mentality that you want in an offensive lineman he's a brute but man he's getting hurt a lot uh 
Bellissimo says he goes out relatively easy, Jenkins. But if I had a stinger, it's way, it was way too quick to come back for a lineman. You're absolutely right. That was part of the problem. Um, he wanted to get out there. He's not afraid, uh, which is good. But, you know, to get injured again the same way so quickly, it does tell you they probably came back too quickly. Yeah, no. yeah <sighs> we, we, we haven't had a line all season, Foster. <laughs> No line, no line at all. Everybody needs to hit the weight room cliff. Everybody, starting with Braxton Jones, do those squats, yeah. get those fucking butt muscles uh, ready for action next season. I think I, I might have said this earlier in the season that Braxton Jones, you know, with a year in the NFL weight program, be might be uh, uh, something, something we're looking at. You know, saying, "Man, I'm glad we got this guy," but you know, mm-hmm. like he. This year he better be, you know, focusing on strength, you know, bulking mm-hmm. up a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah it, I, the offensive line is the worst, uh, the biggest issue, in my opinion. You know, defensive line is just as bad. I, in fact, defensive I would argue the defensive line is is a bigger issue than the offensive line. It's just simply because yeah. you've got not one single player who is a legitimate pass rusher not one you could you could look at this offensive line and say okay cody whitehair has played six years or seven eight years in this league for a reason he's okay uh braxton jones has a lot of promise tevin jenkins has a lot of promise is there any promise at all in this defensive line no uh uh, travis gibson was supposed to be our promise and he's been overwhelmingly disappointing yeah it's dominique robinson i don't i don't know He, he hasn't played enough for me to know but mm-hmm. uh justin jones is that his name justin johnson what's his name then? uh justin jones justin jones he's been okay but he's not yeah, like he's, a he's, he, good. he's a like rotational him. situational player exactly exactly you know, and gets you the versatility. That, we got nobody <laughs> we got nobody you're right you know the right. roster is like one of the worst rosters in the nfl people are like all oh, fields is terrible he's four and 21 his record look at that you know it's like Come on, man. <laughs> yep. The defense can't stop anybody. The offensive line can't keep out, keep pressure off of fields. You know, it's mm-hmm. like we don't have anybody for fields to throw to. Of who, you know, Troy Aikman and Tom Brady would be four and twenty-one. You know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. All right, Tooch, it is time yeah. for you to go to bed, for me to go to bed, uh, yep. and for you to start uh, planning. Some more winners this week. Yeah, Tell us uh, gotta, where, 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 where we can get your winners. How, how do we do that? Yeah, at John Santucci VIP on Twitter. Sign up there. Got a, I picked up another client today after eight no day yesterday. You know, I post my record every day, whether it's there crap. Well, it was like a time about a week ago where I was had like three losing days in a row, and I want to. I don't want to post my record. Yeah, you know, it's, it's just embarrassing. Yeah. I think I was three and seven one day, two and eight another day. You know, mm-hmm. but. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I past two days have been pretty good. So, mm-hmm. uh, Bellissimo points out that Justin Jones has more quarterback hits, pressures, tackles, and knockdowns than Ogan Joby this year. And yeah, I yeah. think that was a great consolation. Yeah, it's yeah. a great consolation prize given that Ogan Joby didn't work out with the injury situation. Do we know is he here next year too, Justin Jones? I think he is, right? I think it was a just one year contract, if What's I remember it? correctly. Yeah, I mean, um, good for the Bears. They got a deal out of that guy. Bad for Justin Jones because I think he certainly. You know, played well enough to have a, a at least a two-year contract. You know, with a yeah, team. yeah. Well, we'll yeah. cover all that and more on the new edition of this show. Yet on unti- yet 
it's yet to be titled, but we will be here Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central. And then tomorrow on Wednesday, it is Bar Down Hockey Talk at 2 p.m. Hope you join the guys live and just interact with them. My they guy, Vinny funny. Parisi. Yeah, they've been talking a lot of football lately, too, and so Not you good. can expect yeah. them to talk about that. They do the show in three periods. So the first period is hockey. Second period mm. is hockey and a little pop culture. And the third period, whatever is hot news. So it's a great show. And then tomorrow night, it will be uh, Buffon 55. We are not going to preview the Vikings-Bears game as typically Buffon 55 does. They Because nobody really cares about you know that game. We're just going to talk about Bears for the full hour and a half of nice. Buffon 55. Are, are you so on that, that should, show too? With the, I, I pop in there? for the last 20 okay. minutes, yeah. I hate to go uh, on so many of these shows because, you know, people just get bored of looking at my fucking ugly face. Uh, <laughs> Alyssa Barbieri and, and uh, she's the best. And, and uh, John uh, Buffon. Buffon do a great job. Yeah, they really, really do. So hopefully you'll join us for that. And we got a lot more programming the rest of the week and into the weekend. Just again, follow us on the YouTube channel, Bears Barroom, excuse me, Barroom Network. And give us a follow on the Twitter machine bar at Barroom Network. And make sure you follow Johnny Santucci. That's John's S-A-N-T-U-C-C-I-V-I-P at John Santucci VIP. You can make some money by following the guy. And don't forget to follow uh, Dan Aguirre on the Twitter machine. He's at yeah. BearsFan underscore Dan. We've got to get his uh, Twitter followership up. He's in the hundreds. He needs to be in the tens of thousands. Um, Billy Smoke, good night to you. Thanks for popping in. Billy Smoke just wakes up, turns on the yeah. computer, and finds us. Uh, yeah, it's and, like uh, five in the morning there or something. Five oh thirty in goodness. the morning. That's what time I usually go to sleep. So he's waking up. At <laughs> <five in the morning. laughs> uh, and I get to see my boy Dan Aguirre on Saturday, picking him up at yeah. seven a.m. over at Terminal nice. One, Two, Three. You guess. I don't know where where he'll be. <laughs> But that'll be fun. And uh, Tooch will be in touch. We're, uh, actually, we're having a meeting on Saturday, so I'm going to reach out to you and let you know the right. time so we can discuss the new. Yep. Saturday uh, is a good day for me. Outstanding. Goodbye, everybody. Take care. Where's my music? Where's my video? <laughs> it's going to be the last time we played this. No, next to last time. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls. Make sure you subscribe to the Barroom Network and you give us a rating on iTunes. Until next week, my name is Nomfe. Bear down. <laughs>